That's what they call me anyway on the internet. Don't ask how I know what the internet is. If you're here, you must be looking for Mess Chise and Mr. Elias. Well, unfortunately, they've went out with Ruth for the day. Well, Silver Lady's here, but I don't think she'll take to your kind very well. Well, if you can wait in there, though a word of warning, some of the neighbors around here can be a little bit prickly. They sometimes use strong language that may not be suitable for all audiences, so you might want to cover the little one's ears if they're there. There's also the chance that they like to give out spoilers for old tales and some new tales. Mostly newer tales that are animated from that place she says from. Don't ask how I know that. I just do as a spirit. And finally, anything that the neighbors say is their opinion and does not reflect anything that she say or Elias say. Mm -hmm. mm, it looks like the snow is coming. Or a bunch of woolly bugs. I really don't know what the difference is between them. But they're a thing that are white and comes from the sky. So why don't you stay a while and listen to the neighbor's tale? They're going to tell you the story of the ancient Magus Bride. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dub Talk, the show where a group of neighbors get together, try to kill some British children. I mean, uh, help out mages and stuff and not do anything devious and like, and review a recent dub announcement or review a dub that has come out on home video, Blu-ray, that likes, or streaming on Netflix these days. My name is Megan, and with me I have the three other best fairies I could find. I have Jet. Believe me, you can do it yourself. It's your magic, GSA. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> God damn it! Shit! Why does that make me laugh? We have the fairy of beards, Amandul. Chisei, can I offer you a pomegranate? <laughs> and we have the greatest fairy of animation dressed in his perfect little green dress and ready to murder Wendy. It's no clue. Didn't you ever wonder where your mom and dad learned it all? You're a wizard, Chisei. <clears throat> And we just lost Megan. <laughs> you killed the host, <laughs> Noah. I hope you're proud. Right, okay, oh. I think we made all the references we possibly could. Oh, wait, no, no we didn't make a Lord of the Rings reference. Uh... Not yet. Fly! <laughs> Fly, you fools! I mean, no, because I'm imagining... I'm yeah. imagining Noah or Hagrid now in the tiny Tinkerbell dress <laughs> telling Harry Potter he's a wizard. <laughs> Thank you, Noah Clue, for putting that image into my head. I mean, if you want these tights, they're all yours, but uh, they're kind of hard to get out of the crack there, so um, I might have to you can put gift them in the that... wash first. By the way, those were regifted and worn by one Spaceman Hardy at one point. <laughs> anyway, while Noah is having an existential crisis, 
Uh, tonight we, if you haven't guessed by all of the references, tonight we are obviously talking about the greatest 2017 anime, Handshakers. <laughs> we are finally giving Hanch, I've been told by my producer who is currently not existing and actually driving home from Maine to Boston, that we are not talking about Handshakers. Aww. No children, we are time to get on the hype train to talk about the Ancient Magus Bride. The 2017 fall anime from Wit Studios, uh, based off the original manga by Kore, uh, Kore, Yama <laughs> Kore Yamazaki. To give a quick plot summary, Chise Hattori is a 15-year-old orphan. She has no relatives, means, or hopes. She then proceeds to sell herself into slavery, where she is bought by a strange mage with the head, with a bestial skull for a head named Elias Ainsworth. Together, they will go and Chise will learn magic and to become more worthy of herself while Elias learns how to people. Um, this anime also sparked a bunch of people suddenly being into what we call a bone daddy. And uh, also gave residents of the Funimation Discord a new overlord, an axolotl spirit that we have gone on to name Wooper. But tonight we're not here to talk about the animation or the <laughs> shitty-ass second opening. Jesus Christ, it looks like a goddamn AMV that a 12-year-old made. No, we're here to talk about the dub. And while normally most anime reviews that we do uh, don't come with predictions, uh, I've been predicting the cast of this since last March. Because I am horrible and have no life. So, we're gonna get on with it, starting with writer and director. Does anybody have predictions? Um, uh, oh, go ahead, Noah. front, I should say, I did not make any predictions, because unlike uh, the very devoted fanboys and fangirls out there, I did, was not reading this manga and had no idea who any of the characters were going into this. However, I did have a very lovely poster of the show that I got from one of the voice actresses at Anime Fest, so thank you very much for that. Okay. Um, right, you got to go in line. I did. Okay, I did make predictions. I mean, I haven't read the manga in like a really long time, so I mostly just like made my predictions based off who the saves were and like character designs. Uh, but as far as director went, I said Sunny Straight mostly because I figured this was going to be like a really big dub for animation. So I figured, I mean, so I probably, I figured I probably give it to one of their bigger directors and. Obviously, he said he's straight as those straight into fantasy dubs. He did as day, and that turned out really great. So, I figured he'd do a similar deal here. And then for a script, I had down uh, Caitlin Glass for some reason. I think it was because I like heard something about them possibly doing a dub together, and I had her here. I don't know uh, why exactly that happened, but yeah. <laughs> that would be interesting because that would mean that Sunny Straight would have directed both the biggest hit of. Uh, Fall 2016 and Fall 2017, because he directed Yuri on Ice, too, didn't he? Yes, yeah, he that strange little independent project nobody heard of and did not cause a massive salt war on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how, uh, j just as a side note to everyone, Sneebs are uh, good boys. No, no, okay, 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 no, you don't get real ironies. To, like, oh, the, anime, no, the anime awards for 2017 just started up today. Like, they just announced it. Yeah, that's why I did it. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know what? That is true. <laughs> so that is perfect yeah, to which perfect timing. What the fuck, Crunchyroll? Fafnir, really? <laughs> Fucking really? Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. We need to save salt for the rest of this cast. Save some for later. I have no salt tonight. Um, 
Amon, any predictions from you? Uh, I didn't have predictions for director and script. I did have predictions for the cast, and I think I lost them when I moved, because I cannot find them. So, sorry, folks. Oh, no! Okay. Um, also, it's okay, Amon. By the way, uh, Noah, you got your poster signed by Atsumi Tanzaki, the voice of Chisei. That is correct. I had forgotten who it was. But thank you for it's okay. I, it's kind of sad it's that okay. you, you were. Did you get a signature from her? No, I, that, well, I was getting um, that. Yes, you, because Roots gave Roots or Amon gave it to me because I was in the line for meeting uh, Sayo Yamamoto, Kubo, and Sayo Yamamoto. That's which right. Was totally worth even if Hardy screwed me out of Raisin Canes. The, this uh, full disclaimer: this po- <laughs> this cast is not an endorsement of Anime Fest. Although all of you listeners really should attend this year. It's in the middle of yeah. August. Here's the link down here. Book a ticket now. Book your tickets now. Go to Anime Fest. They're the fucking best. Um, anyway, my predictions for directors. Uh, I had three because I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? Um, so my first prediction was Clifford Chapin since, you know, he handled New Game and that came out pretty well from what I understand. Um, and as we, I picked... <laughs> as we all know, New Game and Ancient Magus Bride are like, you know, twin series to each other. Just totally. twins. <laughs> totally. Just good times all around. Nothing bad happens. Good day, sir. They do both have um, a cat in it. That's about it. I've got me a... Oh, no, we're not starting that yet. No. Um, and my second prediction was Chris George, because goddammit, Chris George deserves to be on a good anime. Um, and not doing year-long projects. No! Fuck Discord, why? I need that! Ugh. Anyway. Um, Anyway, back to what I was saying. Um, and then my last picks was Felicia Angio because because uh, she hasn't really done anything in a while. And I was kind of like waiting for her to do something. Uh, quickly, my writers. Bonnie Quinkabeer because I'm lazy. Uh, team team Monica and Josh because, hey, fuck it. They haven't really... They've, they, they do good work together. And then my last prediction was Emily Neves, because, hey, Emily Neves did Ghost Sick, and that came out pretty well from what I understand. Um, but I'm only minorly wrong for once. Um, so, our director, I can't believe this fucking happened. Um, really? Actually, yeah, I'm, I, I'm actually very, I was like, wait, what? The exact phone call was Roots was like, hey, Megan, are you ready for your monkey paw to curl? Because I was like, please let this go to a good director and have Bonnie Clinkenbeard as the writer, which she is, one of the writers. Uh, so the director's Kyle Phillips. And the writers, like I said, are Bonnie Clinkenbeard. And the other one, because this wasn't announced with the cast release. This came out later that we found through Twitter, thanks to Kyle, uh, who has been really good about updating the cast, is Jamie Markey. Kyle Phillips, you'll know him for directing series such as Overlord, A Centaur's Life, and Is That of the Last Witch. Bonnie Clinkenbeard has written more than anything at Funimation and basically runs their entire writing department. I'm just kidding, we all know that's John Bergmeier's job. Uh, she has written for series such as Norgami, Death Parade, and Subasa Reservoir Chronicles. And Jamie Markey has written for series such as Orange, Terror in Resonance, and Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Did you have to bring so, up that last one? We, we're, we're trying to get Yes, to get I you. did. Yes, I fucking did. We're, we're trying to keep this call tonight. Did we're John we're Bergme- going... Did John Bergmeier pay you for that little plug? No, he did not. I, um, I can just see him paying you off for that. I 
wish I could meet John Bergmeier again. I've met him only once, and it was great. It was I was a you very people, young little weeb. You bonded over hockey, didn't you? No, that was me and Jeremy Inman. Thank you. Wrong, wrong writer. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, so uh, starting off, I will go in the same order. Jet, you're first. Uh, sorry, uh, sorry, oh, man, I kind of want to. I kind of want to go first, but okay. All right. Um, uh, oh no. Uh, Noah can go first, and you can go last if you want. And I, I mean, and I, I mean, I, I mean, I, like I said, we, like I said uh, when we were setting up the stand deck, I'm probably going to be the voice of the set here, so I figure I probably should go first. That's it. okay. I'll go ahead if uh, if you want to see. Yeah, this go ahead. Later. Yeah, Noah, go. Okay. <clears throat> well, obviously, I came prepared by saying that this show is really good, and the Japanese was really good. So, to go off of that, this dub should, of course, be really good. It's really good, guys. Um, to put on the directing really quickly, it warms my heart. The uh, variety of characters that they got to fill the whole cast. Um, I didn't really have any qualms with the directing going into this. Um, through episode to episode, it covers kind of a variety of settings and emotions. Uh, there's a lot of human pathos and psychology being thrown out about how all these characters deal with their heartaches. Because these are some damaged individuals what i had a little more about a problem with was actually the writing um not because they got anything wrong they didn't really misinterpret anything nothing was lost in translation i guess it's just that like you've seen this poster like look over there at that poster on the screen in front of you this is a high concept fantasy magical almost mythological sort of storyline so i was hoping that the english writing would have the character speak more of a, a flowery poetic sort of way when not in like back-to-back -back dialogue, but in instances where they're having uh, long thoughts, uh, they're kind of describing their inner emotions, like Chise's hang-ups or Elias's hang-ups or the storyline about what happened to Elias when he, you know, did the thing with Lyndon. Don't, don't do that, people. Don't do what he did. So, I, but I didn't quite get that. It was, it's very normal, very standard, very, um, a very serviceable writing. Like I said, nothing particularly wrong with it. I was just hoping for something a little more Shakespearean, I guess. Uh, I'm actually going to disagree because as somebody who has also read basically the entire manga, too, mm -hmm. The show's actual dialogue is not like Shakespearean at all. Right. Like, the manga's dialogue is not like that at all. And I actually think that would have ruined the show to me. Because I think the biggest core thing about the show is that it has all of this crazy fantasy shit going on. Mm -hmm. But it has such a human core to it. Um, I've, known, I've known people, like, especially on my Facebook in my personal life, who don't who yeah they're like into anime and stuff but like hearing a lot of them like talk about how the ancient magus bride really is um cathartic to them for a lot of people i know who go through really bad depression and really bad anxiety mm -hmm. i think that the english dub really walks the line of doing it very tastefully and not going out of whack because if this show took any liberties like with it at all it would fuck it up so fast. Like, to which I really do need to applaud Bonnie and especially Jamie. Because to me, there was no transition where one stopped writing and the other one picks up. And for two writers that are almost completely different ends of the spectrum, that's saying something. Because face it, 2017 was the year that Jamie Markey had pitchforked going for her. Whether it be rightfully so, 
or completely off the wall. And I know Jet kind of cringed, like, did you have to bring up Dragon Maid? Yeah, I did. Just to show that for as many Dragon Maid moments that she may have, whether you agree or disagree on her logic with it, she does do really good drama pieces. Like Orange and like Terror and Resonance. Um, I also really want to give a shout out to Kyle, who really has changed my opinion about him as a director in, over the course of the year. Because Dance with Devils was okay. Izetta, you can watch the episode and tell how many of us were completely out of it with Izetta. And how many of us had, like, really big flaws with Izetta's directing and casting. Um, Dragon Maid was another show that we were all really decisive over. Um, so I've got to give him credit where credit is due. He made this dub really enjoyable for me. Oh, well. I'm on her jet. <laughs> uh, let's see. I enjoyed it a lot as well. Um, I've been, um, how do I put this? Uh, I, like you, I, uh, I like the kind of dialogue choices in the making for the show. Um, I would not, I would never characterize Ancient Magus Bride as a, uh, urban fantasy, but a lot of it kind of reminds me of that style of writing where there is a lot of this fantastical uh, stuff going on around it, but it also is very, very grounded. And that's something I liked a lot in the original manga, and that's something I thought they captured here very well, where you you know, you almost feel like you're watching a show about normal people, except, you know, one of them's a skeleton and one of them's a ghost dog, among other things. <laughs> um, and I think between the writing and the direction, they capture that very, very well. It, um... Like, there's a part of me that is not quite worried, but was, like, maybe concerned of, like, maybe they'll, uh, you know, at least in the translation from the Japanese, they'll maintain a certain over-the-topness that may have not really been appropriate for the material, and I was very happy to see that, like, you know, that wasn't in the Japanese, and that wasn't something they ended up adding in when translating into English. It feels very tonally correct for the kind of story this is. So I've been very happy with it. Okay, so I guess it's my turn. Yes. Okay, um, right, uh, so as far as the script goes, I don't really have, like, a whole ton to say here. Um, body clean appeared is generally very good at keeping her translations faithful, and it's really about the same deal here. I mean, although I appreciate some of the extra pros, and while I didn't really know Jimmy Marty was also on this because I didn't read past the initial cast list, um, I'm also pretty impressed at how she's doing here, too, and, so, and yeah, this is definitely among her better done scripts. Okay, um, now as far as the direction goes, I'll be honest with saying that I haven't really been the biggest fan of Kyle Phillips as a director up until this point. I mean, granted I haven't seen nearly as much of his work as you guys have, but what I have seen kind of left me feeling disappointed, looking at you, Lizetta. Um, I mean, but what I, okay, but uh, what I see from him, this is definitely his best work. Um, all the casting decisions here are really strong, and there's enough variety here that nothing comes off as, like, too safe. And I also kind of appreciate that the general direction of the dub is to make, like, all the magical inhabitants sound, like, as wizened or as mystical as you kind of expect from all these ancient creatures. And, uh, it does a lot to kind of help them make them, you know, make them sound really distinct. Uh, having said all that, though, uh, I feel like the actual di voice direction itself is kind of a little lacking compared to what I was wanted exactly. I like how all the characters sound, but there were a few times where I felt like the actors weren't really being pushed hard enough, and it kind of left me wanting a little bit more. Uh, like, I guess I kind of wanted to see them give a hundred, where it kind of felt like most of the time I was going to give eighty-five, if that makes any kind of sense. Um, it kind of does. Yeah. 
Yeah, it make it makes sense. I just I don't agree, but it makes sense. Yeah. Okay, uh the best comparison I can probably give here is how I felt about the one punch man does direction. Uh basically it's solid, it does everything it needs to, which would normally be good enough for me to not actively complain about. Uh but when we're getting material this strong, my brain is kind of geared to expect something stronger and I was kinda of hoping this was gonna be up here with the lights of some of Funimation's best dubs and it's not quite up there. I mean, this isn't bad by any means, and it's a perfectly solid dub, but I guess it wasn't quite what I wanted, so I'm a little disappointed in the direction. Uh, but again... I feel like... Okay, uh, I feel like you feel about this how, like, I feel about Junie Tyson, where I don't think it's that good. <laughs> but you fucking love the shit out of the Junie Tyson dub! I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say I was, I mean, I wasn't, like, super, super level with that, but I was kind of like, yeah, this was a lot more impressive than I was expecting it to be for, like, a middle-of-the-road show. So, with Megaspy being, like, really high expectations, like, all of us were, like, expecting it to be, like, the, the most perfect thing of all 2017 going into it. Is yeah. it possible that it just could not meet that expectation? Yeah, okay, yeah, basically, it's, like, the exact way I thought about the One Punch Man dub, where, like, I set my expectations really high, and what I got was, like, this is good, but it's not, but it's not, like, oh my god, which is what I really wanted. <laughs> That's a fair enough comparison. I mean, especially someone like you who watches a lot of, you know, Chinese cartoons, there's going to be a threshold of expectations that, you know, is serviceable to have. So, I yeah. Except for Jet actually did watch the Chinese cartoon last season and he wishes it got a dub instead of King's Game. <laughs> Evil or Die or something. Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. What was it called? Like <laughs> That was a Chinese what was it? No, yes, uh, yes, uh, yes. Yes, that was a Chinese cartoon, and it had the most bonkers that you can imagine. It was great. <laughs> like, even more bonkers than King's Game, like, this girl is on fire and having a completely normal conversation bonkers. <laughs> yes, and it's somehow even more bonkers than that. Like, the last minute of this year was like, wait, what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, now I want to finish it now, because I only got one episode into Evil or Live. It's like you're, like, I saw, like, Evil or Live, I think uh, J J Jiju had the thing, it's like, where he was talking about Judy Tyson, like, baking an edge cake. And he's like, you made it. Aw, oh, damn it, it's Amirai Nikki. <laughs> and he just pulls a cake with, like, Yuno's face photoshopped over it. <laughs> so, speaking of but this no, series. Yeah, speaking of this series. Uh, no, but I completely understand it. I think I also had really high expectations, too. But I appreciate a lot of the casting decisions in this show that... I'll talk about it in final thoughts that this may be one of the ballsier Funimation dubs in certain places. Uh, but I'll talk about that in the context of what it meant for last season. But are we all good to move on to our first pair? Yep. Mm -hmm. That's just one one name I want to throw out there as someone who needs a lot of recognition is Nathaniel Harrison, who was the mix engineer on this series. And the reason oh, I say that is yeah. because... Uh, this is the first season where I was watching a show with adequate headphones. Like, I actually got really good headphones to watch shows with. And uh, in one particular scene, I'm not going to say which one it was, but uh, one of the characters shows up. The audio, like, its strings are sounding up. And it actually, it shook the headphones and it kind of, it, it gave ambiance to the character's presence. So it made that character scarier as they walked onto the screen. So whoever was doing the, the sound mixing on this, damn good job, man. You done damn good job, Nathaniel. Thank you to the audio engineer and the mix engineer. I can pull them up really quickly on ANN. Uh, yeah, so the ADR engineer is Jeremy Woods, and the mix engineer is Nathaniel Harrison. Uh, both of you gentlemen, great job. Always respect your ADR engineer. 
I can just see him uh-huh. in the back room eating Cheetos. Like, what? People actually recognize us by name? Woohoo! We're moving up in the world. Good. By the way, um, it's not that big. Me and Amon have been in one of those rooms. They are very tiny. Also, <laughs> <laughs> also, up, Neil. And uh, cre- and credit to you both. There's reason A and N reviews still have that uh, audio quality rating at the bottom. Things used to be very bad. <laughs> I mean, we don't have that anymore, but ooh. Yeah, it's two people who have been stuck in an audio engineering booth. It is a very tiny place. Um, moving on. Speaking of things that are not tiny, uh, oh. Red Current. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wow, that was not the transition I thought you were going for. <laughs> I mean, I I was going to do something classier, but then I pulled on Andrew and talked about titties. Um, <laughs> join us, remember, Megan, Join us in the titty bar. Remember, everybody, kink shame your classy Spartan today. Um, so, Red Current, a Lehenan snide vampire who lives in the garden of an older man named Joel Garland. The two of them meet Chisei in about episode eight or no, episode nine, um, in which Joel is an old widower with a rose garden who writes poems and Red Current is the Lehenin Snide who caught their eyes met once and she kind of fell in love with him, but refuses to feed on him. I have no predictions for these two because I had no idea if this was going to be a review or an impressions episode. Um... And I kind of forgot. Thank you to um, our voters out there who requested that this be a review episode, by the way. So you could all make me wait longer to talk about this. Go fuck yourselves. Um, I kid. Don't actually do what Megan says. Don't actually do that. Don't ever do what Megan says. Ever. Please. You should go eat those Tide Pods. You know, they're making an Oreo variety now. God damn it. Does anybody have predictions for these two? Nope. Mm-mm. All right, so Red Current is played by Morgan Garrett, and Joel Garland is played by Barry Yandel. Morgan Garrett, you will know, is playing my ultimate waifu number one, Akira Mato in Tokyo Ghoul Route A, Rico Brenska in Attack on Titan and Attack on Titan Junior High, and everyone's favorite milf and cookies, <laughs> Kurumimi Psyche in The Disastrous Life of Psyche K. I am so glad that was the selected moment for that episode in the Oh, that reel. was never. It was going to be nothing else, and you knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I mean, Jet knew it. Amon knew it. it was okay, like some... okay, okay, no, I didn't know it because I haven't seen that episode or the show, actually. So. There was like a 2% chance that you would go with something classier from that episode, but only Fuck 2%. Noah, 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 have you met us as a group? Yeah, You're expecting well, class? I did. We're hornier than Devilman Crybaby. <laughs> okay, no, 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 that's a lie. That is a lie. That's 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 a no, very nobody's hornier than Devilman Devil Crybaby. Cry very few things are cl- are hornier than Gonagai. <laughs> May maybe Osama Tezuka in his later years. Anyway, you know Joel Garland about. is. Anyway, Joel Garland is played by Barry Yandel, who is. I, can't, I literally spelt William wrong in my processor. William T. Spears in Black Butler. The Great Kazoo, I mean Zaruba in the Garbo, the Garbo franchise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes, I'm pretty sure Roots is going to come after you now. <laughs> Please don't come after me, I'm sorry, Roots. Zaruba in the Garo franchise and Bon Clay in One Piece. 
Uh, let's just make this quick because technically their last episode isn't coming out until this is basically going up. Um, I'm ready for Morgan and J Barry and Dell to fucking wreck me. Uh, yeah, I don't they really were... have too many thoughts other than that, too. <laughs> they're really, they're actually really great. Morgan Garrett, I like, because Morgan Garrett kind of gets typecasted as all these really sexy women. Um, and a lot of the times it's played completely straight where they're basically giant sluts. Um, I've watched, I haven't watched First Girlfriend as a gal, but I'm going to assume she's a slut in that show. Um, well, her character, not her. It's the, <laughs> yeah, thanks for specifying that. But no, no, none of the characters are sluts in that show. They're just kind of promiscuous. Wow. Um, okay. Um, but yeah, no, and I also really like that they went with Barry Yandel as Joel and not the safe choice of, like, R. Bruce Elliott or Kent Williams. Um... He was not what I was expecting, because usually it's like, oh great, old guy, somebody call Kent. They like throw a dart at the board and there's like a bunch of old guy names and this time it hit Barry and he's like, ha money! That did kind of surprise <laughs> me too, but the character himself of uh, Joel isn't really like uh, world-weary like a lot of Kent William or R. Bruce Elliott characters are. He's got a lot more pep to him, like he, I even wrote in my notes that he's got like a jovial older sound to him and he's got... He's less craggly than an old guy. Like, he doesn't have that old man crack to his voice, which I thought was refreshing. Yeah. I mean, like, usually when I think of Barry Adele, I think of uh, Yoki from Fullmetal Alchemist, so him doing a jovial old man, like, fits very well. Hmm. <laughs> Amon? Uh, no, I enjoy I enjoy them both quite a bit. Uh, was, I don't know, it was, it was a nice little, like, in context, it was a nice, like, refreshing little bit of the show. And I thought uh, they, they they play the scene very well. It was very it was very cute, which is a weird thing to apply to a scenario <laughs> where a, a a vampire fairy is hanging around some old dude. But you know, it's yeah. nice. And she's dressed in like a nighty. She's she's a uh, she she's a uh, what what is it? There are two characters in here who are, you can Just, be summed up to yeah. an extent as what knockers, and she's the uh, the lesser of the two. Yeah, it's, it's, lesser. Just look at the just look at the chat picture, guys. Just look, <laughs> look at the at chat, chat picture. picture. <laughs> okay, yeah. The chat picture is just her 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 uh, her uh, her little red currant on Chise's red currant hair. Mm -hmm. Okay, yes, yes, yeah, so, yeah, so, was a really cute scene about her about her being teetering around an old man before kissing Chise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't don't talk. Let me kiss you. <laughs> just just there are no words. I'll see you in a week. I, I do like that um, we have we did have a couple of like um, uh, sultrier sounding women in the show and we'll get to them in a bit. But I like that uh, Morgan uh, seemed to don a bit of a southern drawl for this character so that she juxtaposed between being kind of sultry and then being really sentimental. But it was believable with the uh, accent that she gave her. I don't think it was like supposed to be an accent, like a heavy accent. It was just the way she worded her vowels gave it a southern drawl kind of feel to it. Which is strange because this takes place in fucking in jolly old England. Um. Yeah, I know that, but I, I'm, I'm going to point out a lot of a lot of accents I picked up. Like it sounded like an accent, but yeah, I understand that it's supposed to be yeah. in England. But nobody has a British accent. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, I you know I didn't mention that, but that's like kudos to them for not doing that. I mean, I mean, so, I mean, there are instances where I prefer they have British accents for things, but this is a case where it's like, nah, keep it straight. So. Yeah, no, I would actually have said uh, along those lines, if giving them all British accents would have caused subpar performances, uh, 
trust me, uh, that wouldn't have ended well. No. <laughs> and I would be in jail. And, yeah. and, and let us not forget that the alternative being getting it dubbed in Britain would have been a bad idea. Um, yeah, we're not talking about that. Wakfu never happened. What? 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 No, no, I don't know what you're exactly. talking about. <laughs> exactly. So are we all good to move on? Yep. Yes. Let's do this. All right, who's ready to traumatize Jamal? It's time to go down to the Cat Shed Baby. <laughs> cat Shed Baby. All right, so we're talking about... Where's my Windex? That was, that was a very good French well, Schneider, see... Megan. I applaud you. Well, you see a big sign on the road. It says 15 miles to the cat. <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Oh, it gets better. So up. there is Molly, a talking cat that is the king of all cats, despite being a girl cat, because fuck your patriarchy. Uh, Matthew, a man from the past who was so enamored with his wife that he would do anything to save her, didn't go well. And there is Mina, the said wife, and I literally just put the actress's name down, I am dumb. Um, Mina, his sickly wife, who uh, ends up turning into a puddle of mud. As you do, you know. Happens every week. <laughs> well, you see Matthew... Okay, Ed and Ryan gotta be careful though, dude, with the devil, man. They never end well. Yes. <laughs> Speak Matthew. the devil and he will appear. That's the episode title, haha. That's a uh, different episode anyway. title, but yeah, it's still an episode of the show. But anyways. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, Matthew, he's got me an axe. It cuts up about 20, so hurry up and get that out. Give me money. <laughs> I, should, I should just be prepared to have my head in my hands for this whole segment, shouldn't I? Oh, well. <laughs> you can all thank Artie for asking me to put that in here. Uh, I put that on the Funimation Discord a couple of nights ago, and Andrew's only reaction is, I'm laughing, but I am so disappointed that I am laughing at this. Good lordy, I'm telling mom. Anyway, any predictions for Molly, Matthew, or Mina? Nope. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Nope. All right, I, so uh, Molly. I predict that Molly will be voiced by Carrie Elway. <laughs> and you know why. King of all cats. I, I totally went over this before. He's not the king of cats. It's Tim Curry. I understand that, but Tim Curry is very busy nowadays, and I don't think Carrie Elway's doing anything. Actually, no. I saw him doing a commercial where it was the whole gag was his, like, Princess Bride thing. But anyway, Molly, the king of the cats, is played by Melanie Mason. Matthew is played by John Bergmeier, and Mina is played by Jennifer Alex. Melanie Mason is known, uh, you can know her as uh, Shimura and Kodicha, Mako Murasako and Shiki, and Marl in Fairy Tale, which, by the way, yes, the king of all cats is played by Happy's mom. Therefore, she is the only person who ever made me cry watching Fairy Tale. Matthew is played by John Bergmeier. You should know him as Tien in some hick little series called Dragon Ball Z, Shigure Soma in Fruits Basket, and Ebisu in Noragami Argoto. Jennifer Alex, you will know as characters such as Constance in Little Witch Academia, Tabitha in The Familiar of Zero, and Fate Tessarosa in Magical Girl Lyrical Nanoha. Uh, thoughts? Yay, Constance finally gets to speak. 
she still ends up as a puddle of mud. Sad. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so, I mean, like, so I liked how Melody sounded here. I thought she... I mean, like, I liked how her voice got, sounded kind of regal. It gave the... It gave her kitty voice, like, a very distinct vibe. I thought that was neat. I mean, like, this is another case where I kind of wish the direction was, like, maybe a little bit stronger. Like, I wanted her to sound like a... Have, like, a little bit more presence than she actually did, but, like, I really dug the voice. Um, did you want to have, like, a Queen Elizabeth II kind of voice to her? Uh, 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 kind of, I guess. Come uh, along! Come and catch these mice, because we are most unamused with your status support! Yeah, um... Elias! What has taken you so long? Uh, There's a big thing in our lake! Okay, uh, 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 Jennifer goes, I thought she, I thought she did a good job, too, with the material. And, and then John Bergmeier. Uh, uh, John Bergmeier is a voice who I think we don't hear often enough, and having sat, and having been re-watching Rehop, there for the last few days, I really wish we heard a bit more things. Um, because he does a really great, he just does a really great job here. He does a great job of getting across all of, uh, like the whole crisis that Matthew's going through, it's like and his like and that whole big breakdown when he realizes his whole deal went south. It's just that that was pretty insane. It's like, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and he just totally nailed that. It's like, I mean, like I certainly like, I certainly can't say I was expecting that kind of choice, but uh, it was definitely a good one. So good on Kyler for using it. <laughs> good point. Good point. Are we doing? Jet, me, Amon, then Megan? Is that our order? I guess, uh, yeah. I, I, I guess it's kind of like broken because I'm almost agonizing. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Noah, go. <laughs> Scripted people. Yeah. Totally ad-libbed. We're, this, dub, all Dub Talk episodes are filmed in front of a live studio audience <laughs> of my mother's shame. I, I, I prefer the disclaimer, all Dub Talk episodes are filmed live before a filmed studio audience. <laughs> Just like the Big Bang Theory. Insert laugh track here. Speaking uh, of something very funny, John Bergmeier, uh, as uh, the guy who's gone down to the cat shack, baby. Um, one thing I noticed that I don't know if this was intentional or not, but it seems that uh, for the characters in the show, the more human they are, the more normal their direction and acting is. And then if they're spirits or animals or otherworldly creatures, they're given a less normal sounding voice. And that's kind of the vibe I got off of Melaine's uh, performance because she's got like this almost New England speech pattern to her voice that I think it was supposed to make give her kind of a regal voice like uh, like Jet was saying. And I like that. I like she's got that slight crack in her voice that gives her a sense of age a bit more. And it distinguishes her as like uh, a very royal kind of cat. So it fits with her performance well. I didn't really have a problem with the direction with it. Um, I, I thought the content was somber enough as it is that she didn't have to like push beyond the way she was directed. Now to contrast that, uh, John and Jennifer are both humans. They are not magical. They have no powers or special skills, or they, you know, they don't practice magic of any kind. So because of that, I think they were directed to sound like very normal humans. Like Jennifer has a damsel in distress, feminine kind of voice to her, but it doesn't sound otherworldly. And John, interestingly enough, he's got almost a gruff, unrefined voice to him that. Uh, sounds like a guy who actually does, like, work a manual labor job. And even when he has, like, his big breakdown, he doesn't go cheesy, hammy, which is good, because I was afraid that they were going to make him oh, super hammy. But no, they gave him, like, this almost 
like what a normal person would act like when they've completely broken. Sort of like, I, I, I've got to go get more. I, I, I've got to go get some more. He doesn't go, <laughs> I've got to go get <laughs> some more. <laughs> I'm a broken individual. Why did he suddenly turn into Beavis and Butthead? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Beavis. Be- Beavis, my wife exploded. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so to give props for that, they're a good. Uh, they're all good contrasts to the different kinds of characters that we will see in the rest of the series. Yep. Yep. Uh, I agree with a lot of that actually. Like, um, like I was saying earlier, one of the things I appreciate about this dub is that it knows when to stay grounded. I think this is a very good example. Um, you know, obviously, what goes on is dramatic and heartbreaking, um, but they never go too big on anything. Um, uh, never gets like too overdramatic. It never gets silly. There's there's no moment where anyone takes the potato chip and eat it, uh, because that would that would be very wrong for this scene. Um, and I think everything got played very well. I'm gonna take this cat and slash exactly. it. Exactly. Um, take a vial and drink it. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I thought I thought both um, Jennifer and John played that very well, and I also liked uh, what Melanie was doing. Uh, with Molly a lot, I thought she brought that the appropriate level of like regality, and also sounding like a cat, which I realize is weird <laughs> because cats don't speak English. But hey, you know she's I bought it. No, cats don't dance. That too. Not with that attitude. I've tried, dude. It doesn't work. They, they don't want. They just they just fall back on all fours. There is an entire YouTube playlist of cats dancing. I defy you to say the same thing after you've watched the playlist i appreciate that jet's singing nothing's gonna stop us now in the back <laughs> i got that and i appreciate that me and oliver actually Shout out. did watch that movie a couple days yeah, ago okay, yeah and now i have this like a little girl in my mind <laughs> darla dimple yes. darla dimple was the freelist fucking g that the 90s forget she tried to drown like a bunch of fucking animals darla dimple We'll fuck your shit up. Because, of course, if she's going to kill you, she's going to do it big and loud. (laughs) Which, thankfully, a lot of these performances for this specific arc were not. Bring it all full circle. I love you, Megan. Thanks, Noah. You set me up. It was a team effort. But no, uh, especially with Molly, she really got Melanie's performance as that character really struck the line of regal and also kind of motherly. Because she did see herself, the character themselves saw themselves as the mother of a little girl. Um, And she was also very old compared to the other cats. I think they said she was on her eighth life. And she was very willing to throw her life away to to save this town. Um, But the biggest shout outs to me of this has to go to John and Jennifer. Because Jennifer played Mina really well. And especially the part where she finds the shed and she kind of realizes that he's doing all these fucked up things. <laughs> and then you get to John Bergmeier <laughs> who fucking traumatized people. Like, like we were kind of, we kind of dunked on, dunked on him at the beginning of the segment, but Jamal, Jamal got really freaked out by this guys. Like he was upset. And he came mm. to the chat, he's like, I, I can't watch that show, that episode again. And I said, why? And he's like, John Bergmeier scared the shit out of me. Wow. And that speaks to something when this character is in two episodes. And there's only scary for like 20 minutes of one of them. 
And I really think Noah hit the nail on the head is that when he when he breaks down after his wife literally explodes in front of him into a pile of like bloody goo. And his reaction is very subdued, but it makes it ten times creepier than any over-the-topness would have done to it. Like, that scene would have been completely lost when he goes out and he sees, um... Tim. Their household cat, Tim. Come here, Tim. And his reaction is, like, come here, Tim. And you're gonna help... We're gonna help bring Mina back. Come play with us, Tim. Come play with us. And then... And then... Matthew learns that cats are the realest G's and don't mess with the 3-6 the cat via um, and gets murdered by cats. Uh, so I really appreciate the direction that Kyle had all of these characters go through. And I really do also agree with Jet that John Bergmeier needs to be in more shit. Um, besides writing and being like the head writer, he's a fantastic actor. And I think, I don't think I've watched something where I haven't enjoyed him in. Uh, and then for Jennifer Alex, I hope this means that she comes back in more uh, Funimation stuff, because she was great, too. So, are we all good to go? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are we uh, leaving the cat shack? Yes. Sadly. <laughs> the knife comment really got you, didn't it? Oh, the axe comment. I've got an axe that kayaks up about 20. Because okay, <laughs> you heard it in the exact okay, okay. tune of it. Full disclosure, no kittens were harmed in making up this podcast. Yes, no, I love my cats. I would never hurt my Shinya or my Luna. So time to move on to something a little more joyous. Titania and her Titanias. Uh, okay, 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 before we even talk, we need to talk about how that scene lasted 12, like a full, like, 12 seconds. Yeah, and that was the most realest pair of anime titties I've ever seen. It was the most. Come on! I mean, I pr- come on! I, I, we salute you, Wit. We really do. But the animation budget. This is why we have a shitty opening. <laughs> the first one was this great. Worth... Okay, it was good enough okay, that it sucked over the goodness of the second one. Yeah, that, I, mean, I mean, the first one was good enough and had a good song at least. <laughs> the, the, fir- yeah, the, the first one, one is yeah. good, but in the sense that it's like ninety percent song, ten percent animation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Titania. Clearly, we needed to put the effort on Titania's. Tanya's. Um, her sugar plum fairies. All hail <laughs> Brit-Titania. <laughs> the Brit-Tit Empire. <laughs> anyway, uh, you also have her husband, Obiron, and their attendant, Spriggan. Uh, I had predictions for Titania and Obiron. I only had predictions for Obiron. Amon? <laughs> Uh, I don't remember who I thought might play these characters. Oh, that's right. And Noah doesn't have any. So, do your prediction for Obiron. Okay, uh, so, um, I, okay, I, of course, went with our lord and savior, John Hammercorn. Because, why not? <laughs> so did I. I went with our lord and savior, Todd Hammercorn, as well. As one of my picks for Obiron. Um, I had my other one, I have two other ones, but one of them is a long shot, and I'll explain why. Because um, it's a pair of long shots. My other pick for Obiron was Chuck Huber. <laughs> um, my picks for Titania were originally Elizabeth Maxwell or Annabelle Thorne. Um, and I also have in captions, and I will explain this story when we reveal who plays her. But I had two long shot predictions. And originally, I actually had Obiron as my director before we learned something. 
And that is this. Um, my long shot picks for Titania and Obiron were Rachel Robinson and Chris Bevins. Because originally, before we learned he was moving to L.A., they were moving to L.A. together. Chris Bevins was my pick to direct the show. Uh, okay. But because they moved, but because they moved, I could no longer do it. But I could keep them as casting predictions. However, we are all wrong. And oh boy, here we go. I had one. I had one other prediction for Titania, and it was in captions. I fucking swear, if it's Colleen, I'm kicking someone's ass. <laughs> Surprise, I'm kicking someone's ass. Well, um, Colleen Quickerbeard plays Titania. Please, ha ha ha, ha ha ha, ha ha ha. Just insert the Japanese Elias laugh here. Uh, Obiron is Joel McDonald, and Spriggan is Chris Ryan. Colleen Quickerbeard is Yuko in Trick of the Momo Yazarozu in My Hero Academia, and Urza Scarlet in Fairytale, because ha 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 ha, her nickname is Titania, everybody. Gag me with a spoon. <laughs> to be fair, Japan does it too. It's Saya, it's the Japanese Seiyu is also Titania, so everybody went for the low-hanging fruit. Um, Obiron is played, uh, Joel, oh yeah, we said it's Joel McDonald, who you know as Zeref in Fairytale, Takumi Fujiwara in Initial D, and Dylan Doe. Al- Albatu in Vision of Escaflone, and Chris Ryan plays uh, Tadaomi Karasuma in Assassination Classroom, the Dark Ninja in Dark in Ninja for uh, Ninja Slayer from Animation, and Okurakata in Token Rambu Hanamaru. Thoughts? I mean, uh, okay, so I didn't have too many thoughts on Chris Ryan. I thought he did like I thought he did a good job, but the character was just kind of like there for me. Um, okay, as far as Joel McDonald goes, I was, like, I was really impressed by this, like, it's not the sort of thing you normally expect with him. I'm I usually him, used to him doing more serious characters, so to see him do something so jovial was, like, very surprising. Oh my god, oh. Yeah, that's, yeah, it, I ha- we yeah. have to show you, sometime we have to show you Sekirei. If no, you no, want a Joel I McDonald mean, role that's not so serious. No, I mean, no, I've seen a Sekirei now, it's just been, like, a very long time, so I don't remember how that sounds. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, like, yeah. So it was really surprising to see him, him doing something so jovial, especially since I was watching that in the same year I was doing like the year of Fairytale Marathon. So I was mostly hearing him as Zerith, which is mm. kind of funny considering he's playing the King of the Fairies here. Uh huh. <laughs> okay. Ha 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 ha! Just the Japanese. Just please, editor person, whoever's editing this, please find the clip from um. Duke of Japanese Elias laughing and just put it over that. <laughs> just have it as pop up as a gif in the corner. <laughs> Actually, editor person, I'll pay you five bucks if you instead put the Mandrake laugh from Dexter's Laboratory instead. <laughs> okay, yep, okay, and then as far as Colleen as Tatania goes, I mean, well, what can you say other than it's Colleen? Like, she's good mm-hmm. at, like, she's very good at what she does. She's very good at doing, like, very regal characters, and she does a great job of that here. Like, she did a great job of, like, giving the character a lot of presence. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, kind of making her sound like, well, like the queen. That's, that's, I mean, it, I mean, there was nothing, like, too out of the box in terms of, like, how she portrayed it, but again, Colleen is very good at what she does, and I was pretty happy with how that sounded. Awesome. Uh... Oof. Noah or Amon? Oof. Sorry, we, we have to we have to be given permission. Quick, Please quick, let us quick, 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 no, quick, no. Rock, scissors, scissors, paper. Okay. Uh, One, rock, two, terror, three, scissors. go. Shoot. Ha, I won. Damn it. 
I'm a loser. To quote the Lego Batman movie, I'm a loser at home and a loser at work. <sighs> Anyways, uh, I also enjoy these performances quite a bit. Um, I particularly liked, uh, I liked Colleen. I thought she did a good job being both, you know, sort of regal, I'm queen of the fairies, uh, go away, uh, follower of the invader god, shoo, go get lost in the forest for a bit. Uh, and also, get wrecked, Jesus, bitch! Exactly. Love, and, that, uh, love that little detail the Japanese put in. And uh, also just getting exhausted when Oberon shows up and starts behaving like Oberon does, because I've read a Shakespeare play, they don't get along. One wonders why they're married, really. Um, I mean, have you seen her? I mean, yeah. I, I, understand, I, understand, great I, I understand why he stays with her. I don't understand the other way around. <laughs> He's probably got a nice dick. Hell yeah, it makes sense. Women like funny guys. Um, and also, you know what? I'm not gonna take that shot. <laughs> Come on, be a good person, Megan. Come on, keep your New Year's resolution. I said my New Year's resolution was to be nice to Andrew for a night, <laughs> <laughs> and that has failed. That my job is to kink shame that boy. <laughs> you are awful at that. Um, I'm only good at two things: shit posting and kink shaming. Let me have my thing. We've got an island for you. I love Hawaii. It's uh, it's full of a black beast monster that will engulf you alive. Don't talk. Don't king shame me, Noah. No kidding. Uh, go ahead. Um, I had a point. Joe McDonald is very funny. I thought I enjoyed him here. He gives a lot of zip, and uh, zip more zip to Oberon, who's clearly you know, he's king of the fairies and also kind of an annoying twelve-year-old. Who won't stop? <laughs> uh, I mean, you can, but you know, you just get his dogs to attack him. I guess. Um, yeah, that's his. Finish. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I like them both, and I enjoyed. Uh, I thought Chris Ryan was. Um, I know Spriggan doesn't have a lot of range to him because he's a rock, and he behaves like a rock. Uh, but I, I enjoyed him while he was on screen. He did well. Come on, Amon, give us a few bars of um, Bob Seger's "Like a Rock." No, I don't like that Bob Seger song. Oh, ouch. No, I like Bob Seger, just, you know, night moves. That partic- Actually, something no, something that hasn't been in a Chevy commercial for 20 years, you know? <laughs> I was going to say, the Chevy commercial probably spoiled it for everyone. A little bit. Like a rock. <laughs> speaking, speaking of rocks, uh, I, I also thought Chris Ryan did good for what he had. I wrote that he had vocal gravel, which is good for his particular character. It's You know, it's nice and low, but it's not craggly. It's just... You know, it's just kind of low registered, but you know that's that's a good quality to have. Uh-huh, so um, uh-huh. I guess the best thing we can say is that if someone was legitimately bad enough for us to say they should have been recast or directed differently, then we will have words to say. But I don't. So you know, good job on Chris. Uh, as for Joel, he was actually less perverted than the animation would have you believe. Um, like it's more like um, kind of like you said, uh, Aman being a perpetual 12 year old who won't be quiet like i got the sense of eternal immaturity off of him more than i did um pervertedness so, yeah it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like innocent is not the word i'd use but it never kind of came off as like skeevy annoyance you know the, he's like the 12 year old that just discovered what the internet is mm. uh no because the nowadays the internet who discovers what the a 12 year old who discovers what the internet is is going to uh pretend like they know what swear words are when they actually don't 
So yeah, so it was nice that Joel got the right direction on that by not making him uh, skeevy sounding. It was just it's just perpetual adolescence, which is kind of what you get from a Shakespearean fairy. You know, they're they're not going to mature, they're not going to grow up, but they're not perverted exactly. Um, same thing with actually with up. Titania. I want to um, be a Toys I R Us actually kid. wrote in my notes, "Welcome back, Yoko from XXXholic," because it is ex Yuko, yes. it is exactly the same voice. It's uh, it's ethereal. And I half expected Titania to start, like, spouting uh, moralistic mentalities about how people lie to hide their true feelings all the time, but it's only going to come back to haunt them. And you should wear, and go get me some sake. <laughs> like, that kind of voice. But I swear to God, if that would have been Colleen and Todd, I would have lost my goddamn mind. <laughs> <laughs> it could have very well have been if... Uh, if they wanted to go that route, because Colleen does Triple X Holic K Dub when Funimation. But Colleen did, uh, does very well at this. Like again, I have nothing to say about this. This is probably the most archetypal of the roles that uh, of the actors that got cast, but only because we've heard Colleen in so many things in the past. Um, it's just kind of a shame that we only see them in one episode so far. I think you said Megan that they're going to show up in another episode coming up soon. Uh, as of the end of episode fourteen, Oberon showed back up, and the next episode. Uh, they're going back to the land of the fairies, so we will be seeing Titania Obiron, and of course, my actual favorite fucking character in this series, Dr. Goddamn- Dr. Shannon! Okay, so- My wife will- All, all you people listening to this, continue to watch the show and find out what's got Megan so hot under the collar. I have a thing for cryptic lesbians. Um. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, it sounds like Britain's got good voice actors being the spirit of Britain, as it were. I think that's what they were supposed to Got be it. on the show. Yeah, they're, they're supposed to be like Got the, the spirit of the country. Good day. I thought the spirit of the country was literally just Queen Queen Elizabeth II. Um, no, no, that's her corgis. You know, that's why she k takes care of them. She that's Those are her patronuses. <laughs> all the different corgis. Uh, Not, anyway, nonsense. The spirit of England is Peter Gabriel wearing a silly outfit in 1973. Any, everyone knows that. I thought the spirit of England... Oh, I thought the spirit of England... Was, uh, what's his name who founded Monty Python getting shot out of the cannon at the British Olympics? That too. <laughs> the Monty Python guys just are the spirit of Britain. I actually read a thing that said what would be the world's worst ending to Game of Thrones, and somebody's like, the cops come arrest them all the Monty Python. <laughs> oh god, I watched the show <laughs> then. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if, like, they, they filmed that and just made that, like, a deleted no. scene on the DVD? Like yeah, no. Like how in uh, the It bloopers, <laughs> yes. like one of the things is uh, like, Thank you. Thanks. See you later. Bye. Oh, shit. Ah, shit. <laughs> Nobody, somebody explained to me that the ending of Monty Python is a literal cop-out once you think about yep. it. it. It is up there with Blazing Saddles in terms of, we have no way to end this movie. Where are all the white women at? Um, anyway. <laughs> Anyway, of Chris Ryan does a, is, is pretty rock solid as uh, Spriggan, the rock spirit. Um, Titania, Colleen, Noah nailed Colleen. Um, oh, I don't remember that. Crazy. <laughs> what, <laughs> what the hell? Uh, did you that, that, like, that, like, Noah, you got some training to do. <laughs> the second that came out of my mouth, I regretted it. This, that is going to go up there with. It's a stiff performance from the Shimonetta episode again. I hate you all for that. You are all children. I seriously made a joke about a man having a dick like a horse. And you all lose it at 
fucking's that? I mean, you're telling me- What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? You're telling me that I was able to get it on with one of the best voice actresses in the business, and I don't even remember a goddamn thing. I never said that! You're putting words in my mouth! Anyway, I think Noah talked very rightfully so about Colleen as no, Titania. Uh, she nailed the role. The second I heard it, I was like, you know what? I'm a little mad for everybody, including Japan, going for the low-hanging fruit. I literally, at Anime Fest, Amon can back me up. Andrew texted me, told me this. My immediate reaction was to lay on the ground, put my arms up in the air, and start screaming. Um... I really also do agree with you guys about Oberon, because Joel McDonald brought that character to life in a way I didn't think was going to be possible, because Oberon Seiyu has a really distinct and very strange voice. Um, like, uh, his name is Kabe Yamaguchi. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, I, yeah, Kabe Yamaguchi, aka the voice of Usopp in One Piece. And also, yeah, like, that guy has a and also really strange voice. Yeah, that oh. guy has a really strange voice. So I didn't know how they were going to to get the character like that, and it came out really, really well. And I think I think I like the way that you described him as an eternal twelve year old. He's an eternal twelve year old who wants them to have babies. Going have blondes <laughs> like this. I honestly, because this is coming out after the dubbies, I was so tempted to give him best comedic performance just for that episode because that's how much it put a smile on my face. Like. Mm-hmm. I was so impressed by this, and I cannot wait for him to come back and please start casting Joe McDonald in more of these eternal 12-year-old roles because he is so much fun to have in your show. Um, but let's move on to things that are not fun. <laughs> what, what, what? Are we all good to move on, by the yeah. way? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to move on to the land of not fun, the church. Um, oh, okay. I, I, I thought you were, I thought okay. you were saying Angelica wasn't fun, but ne- never mind. Angela, okay, look, I'm going to kink shame Andrew again because it's so easy to do. That man has a thing for Angelica. Have you seen her? She is kind of hot, so. So <laughs> you shut your whore mouth. Damn it, I had that turned back on me. Turn about it's fair play. Objection. To which, please tell me you've seen that, that vine of, like, Phoenix Wright and Edgeworth, where it's like, Phoenix Wright, the... Uh, the defense is ready. The prosecution, you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) And it's about the best explanation of Phoenix Wright I can give. Uh, so Angelica Varley is a magic crafter. She essentially makes, uh, different magical things out of gems and magic and has a pretty bitchin' familiar named Hugo, who unfortunately we're not going to talk about, but shout out to Alex Moore. And Simon Callum is a priest who Elias hates and is kind of generally the biggest bitch in the whole show. He gets whacked around and disrespected a lot. <laughs> like, uh, Amon brought it up, but Titania literally flicks him into the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's kind of mean. <laughs> I-, I love that. Like, I love that they take modern, like, they take ancient uh, mythology and religious references and, like, just blend them together to think, like, what would it be like if they actually crossed paths with each other? Be gone, thought! <laughs> Isn't there a manga out there where Jesus and Buddha are, like, roommates with each other? Yes, it's very sweet. Yeah, it's very sweet, and we're never going to get it here, because... Nope! Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the, among, well, the yeah. mangaka is aware that Christianity is a thing in the United States, and does not want to cause that headache. 
Even though most people I know in the United States actually love it. Um, and fun fact, my first anime, Boston, uh, the booth that we always buy manga at, Amon, mm-hmm. had a sign because the last day of anime oh, Boston yes. was on Easter Sunday. And it is again this year, which is also April Fool's Day, which freaked me out. Whoa. Is they have a sign on their booth, and it's a picture of the Jesus from that show, and it says, Jesus has risen, but our prices are falling. And I will always buy from them because of that. Amon, if you know the name of the booth, please tell it me. Is a, it is the booth for Comicopia, which is also a very fine comic book store in Kenmore Square in Boston. So if you live in Boston, go to Kenmore Square and uh, buy from Comicopia. So predi- I had predictions for Angelica and Simon. Um, uh, Jet, did you also have predictions? Yes, I did. Um, All right. Let's see. For Angelica, I said Anastasia Minos. And for Simon, I said Sunny Street because, like I said before, I assumed Sunny Street was going to direct this, and he's usually it is dubbed somewhere, so I figured he'd be here. Uh, my picks for Simon were Chris Ryan or Mike McFarland. Um, and then I had three pictures for Angelica. They were Terry Doty, Michaela Krantz, or Tia Ballard. Because they all have strange ranges. And Angelica is younger than she looks because magic fucks with your aging in this series. Um, we are also both wrong. So, Angelica Varley is played by Janelle Lutz. And Simon Callum is played by Tyler Carson. Uh, si- Tyler Carson uh, has no named roles outside of, si- outside of Simon. Angelica Varley was Luis and Enride. I'm so sorry. Um, Veronica Anico in Luck and Logic. And uh, this might bring up a sore spot for Jet. She's Kyoka in Fairy Tale. <laughs> Bad character. Ha ha! Ha ha! Sensible chuckle. Um, anyway, uh. I also forgot to mention this. Uh, Noah would actually also make a really good Oberon cosplayer. Anyway, Noah, you're going first. Okay, sweet. Um, for the record, it's Oberon, um, which you would oh, know if you uh, drank Oberon beer, which I don't, but I just know what it is because I work in retail. But anyways. Eagle Creek beer, it gets you shit-faced. I will only drink hard cider. That is the only good beer on earth. Anyways. Angelica's Janelle, or Janelle's Angelica, I should say. Uh, okay, so I said before that a couple of different characters seem to have slight accents to it, or maybe I'm just hearing things where there aren't supposed to be, but I could swear that Janelle had a bit of a Canadian flair in her speaking. Like, she has more of a northern accent. Like, I think, I could be wrong here, but I think in the story she's supposed to be Scottish because she actually refers to Chise as a lass at one point. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but anyway. I, they never mention her being Scottish in the manga or the anime, so I, I think that's just general, like, British terminology. It could be, and, like, I'm just inferring here, but like we said before, no one is given a distinct British or any European kind of accent, but just based on the way that the English adapted it here, it, it just sounded like Janelle had more of a northern flair in her speaking pattern, like some vowels just sound like that. Um, which is good because it uh, it gives her more of a, sen- a gruffer sense, I guess. It distinguishes her from some of the other women. But like you said, uh, she's also younger than she actually looks. And I do think that we got a sense of that in her voice because she does sound younger 
than I think the character design looks like, which is in character for, you know, what her actual age is supposed to be. So I have no problem with Janelle, and I was kind of uh, sorry that we only got to see her in two episodes because I think she'd be really fun as a recurring character. Uh, the opposite of Simon, who is not a fun character, although he is fun to make fun of, which is, um, this is an interesting choice that they made with Tyler because of all the characters in the show, he seems to have the most Midwestern accent. Like, he seems to be the one who's the most secular sounding, which is why he's, uh, which is, uh, distinguishable for someone who's supposed to work in the church. And it also makes it sound like someone who you're not supposed to trust because I'm listening to the voice and of all the characters... I just don't trust the guy. Like, I'll trust Oberon. I'll go to a party with them. I'll, uh, heck, I'll even trust the the one character who we hate, who we're gonna talk about a bit. But I just don't trust. <laughs> oh, good God! I just don't trust Simon. He's just, uh, it's just like the kind of like. Okay, I know that there is an archetype in both uh, Japanese and Western media that priests and monks and religious figures are only in it for the money or the power and they're not actually as spiritual as they're supposed as they say they are and simon hasn't really done anything wrong yet he's just kind of a nuisance but i really just don't trust the guy so good, good on you tyler because that's a distinction from all the other characters that i guess give, gives more of a flair that uh, nobody else has i don't trust the guy <laughs> Okay, um, I guess I'll do that. Um, yeah, so as far as so as far as Janelle and uh, Angelica goes, I I like the performance. Like, uh, it sounds like it sounds very kind of like earthly, which is good because that seems like a good match for the character. She seems and like she seems very kind of down to earth, very down to earth, very relaxed. Like, I mean, uh, like she sees a lot of stuff. She has like a good idea of what she says going through, tries to help her out. And, 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 and then Tyler and Simon. I mean, uh, I enjoyed that too for like the first time I'm really hearing about anything. I think he does a good job of making the characters out like kind of floppy without going like too over the top. I mean, like, and, like, and it kind of matches the whole kind of like worldly priest thing where, where again, like as I said, they're not like as religious as they pretend to be and they're just kind of like down to earth about things. So I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, they do make a point in the, the show itself to say that he's like he's both a preacher and a priest, so he's like a mixed variety uh, Christian person. I don't know how that works. In the words, in the words of Hitalia, I don't God, I don't even know if I'm Catholic or from Protestant anymore. <laughs> um, what to add? Uh, no, I, I enjoyed both of these a lot. Um, hmm, I feel like everything's kind of been said. I feel I feel like I feel like part of the reason Simon seems off is that Simon's clearly a hip priest. He's like in it with the young kids. Yeah, he probably goes <laughs> to the disco on weekends, um, which you know always comes off as a little shady. Um, it hasn't but I, been invented yet, Amon. What are you talking about? This is like clearly set in like the modern day or something. They have cars. Yeah, but they got steam engines. Eh. Steam engines were steam engines. I mean, they have a. Pl I mean, they have planes, like modern planes. Oh, that's a good point. Actually, I forgot about. I mean, that's. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's that's the other thing I find interesting about this show is it feels like it's set in the past, but occasionally it's like, oh, this is clearly set in like the last twenty or thirty years or something. Okay. Maybe it's, it's like it just feels like it's set in the past. 
Well, maybe like Japan. Only Japan developed modern technology, and everyone else is still in the past. Yeah. No, no you are where they still have like old timey trains in England, right? Yeah. Not and... on national lines. I was about to say, I have read enough Thomas the Tank Engine to know that steam engines were outlawed from the national railways in 1967. <laughs> Someone's going to whip out a cell phone at the end of the show, and everyone's going to burn all the copies of the manga on fire. Um. <laughs> I'm sorry, am I, I stole your spotlight. Continue. I can't believe that Noah just, honest to God, went on a rant about Thomas the fucking trainage. Do not mess with my train knowledge, man. Fine. Thomas realized he had seen enough Today. I will go he to decided the... it was time to go home. One day, one day, I will go to <laughs> Wales and ride the Tallyland Railway. One day! Oh my god, are you serious? Did that just really happen? This is not Did what we signed up for. you seriously use Thomas the Tank Engine as a fucking source in an argument? <laughs> are you fucking fine? <laughs> I think it's going to be redacted for you, where was I? <laughs> what the fuck? Tyler, Tyler Carson did a very nice job. I don't know if he's had prior acting experience and he's just new to voice acting, but I enjoyed him quite a bit. He was very he was very fun, which feels like that's kind of Simon's character. He's, uh, you know, a reasonably nice man who's a little bit of a chump and gets picked on a little bit, but he doesn't seem to mind because he gets to hassle the skeleton man. Um, so I enjoyed him. And I enjoyed Janelle a lot, too. I thought she brought the right sort of uh, tone and personality that Angelica needed as being both, you know, a professional and also a little, you know, sort of um, sort of teacher and, you know, she's a mom and all that kind of stuff. It was good. Mm -hmm. Angelica is the closest thing that those of us without an Amazon account got to watching Land of the Lustrous this season. Go fuck yourself and get out. Um, Man. I can't, I seriously can't believe you used Thomas... The fucking tank engine. Okay. The guy, who wrote, That's the, guy th who wrote the original book was like a hardcore railway enthusiast, okay? It, it's not just the... Okay, look, I get it. You want to fuck a train. <laughs> it, could be, it could be worse, Megan. He could have brought up Starlight Express. Oh, oh, God, no, no. Keep that out. <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber's not always going to knock it out of the park, okay? Anyway. You, you say that in some circles, Noah, and that's going to get your ass... Tied up and tarred and feathered like it looked like something out of cast. Okay, back, back on comic days, children. Back on track. Like, <laughs> unlike a train. <laughs> unlike the train that is this episode. So I, uh, I agree with all of what you said, Janelle. Let's, uh, I was a little bit apprehensive the first time I saw her. Uh, but when she comes back in episode 9 to yell at Chise about being codependent on Elias, I think she really nailed the mom aspect. Because again, Angelica is a mom despite looking like she's in her, like, mid 30s at maybe like late 20s early 30s at best um and also simon has really grown on me i again was apprehensive on him and uh this is a really good role for tyler carson to get his feet wet on um i wouldn't mind hearing him pop up as minor characters in other shows uh before working his way up um janelle did a really i think janelle is the stronger out of the two in this pair 
But if um, Tyler is the weakest member of the cast, he's still stronger than I think some other performances this year. Um, I don't really have enough to add on to that. So are we ready to move on? Yeah, it's, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's time to move on to the Alchemist. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the Full Metal Hate. The Full Metal, not the Full Metal Alchemist. Even though Mikhail only has one arm. This, this um, mangaka has been reading a lot of Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but uh, so we have Mikhail Manfred, a one-armed alchemist who is done with Elias's shit. Um, Alice, his apprentice, who clearly is totally not in love with him. Totally. Wink, hint, hint, wink, wink. No, it's, I don't, um, I don't like I you actually, or anything, <laughs> Yeah, I don't like you or anything, Baka. And then we have everyone's favorite character to hate, Cart Phalus, originator of the Cat Shack, <laughs> makes girls into a puddle of mud, and made Elias go from bone daddy to I will fuck you up, son, in one episode flat. Uh, but for the sake of this, <laughs> I... guys, we know the cast announcement has another name attached to it. However, even though there is a clear spoiler warning on this episode, that is one twist I refuse to acknowledge. And we have agreed not to say it either. So we're to in the same thing. Camp. Yeah, so uh, for if you can't if the members of the cast can't say Carfalis, uh, we've instructed them to call him by the actor's name or my nickname for him, Booty Shorts Beelzebub. <laughs> uh, because doing business with him is like the devil. I had predictions for all three of these characters. Uh, uh I think I did, too. I'll go first this time. Uh, my predictions for Alice were Alex Moore, Michelle Rojas, or Nicole Endicott. Uh, all three of them kind of do um, can kind of do more masculine girl voices and a little bit older. Uh, my Mikhail picks were Marcus Stimmick's, Marcus Stimmick or Phil Parsons. And my Cartfalus picks were Brandon McGinnis, Derek Snow, or Steven Sanders. Um, Jet... Go ahead. I mean, okay, scratch that. I didn't have one for Red Fred. I thought I did. Uh, but uh, for okay. Car- okay, but for old Carfy here, I said Justin Ryder because <laughs> <laughs> I said Justin Ryder because again, I was kind of looking at the character design, and I know he's like really good at doing effeminate characters. So, right, so you should watch. Have you watched Code Realize? Um, I saw like the first couple. Epi- I saw like the first couple of episodes. You need to. I need to watch the episode where he literally yells, "Nobody will love me." I'm. Trash. Okay. Oh wait, no, never mind. I did find my red friend prediction. I said Chris Rager because again, I predicted this is going to be a Sunny Straight Dumb. Chris Rager is always in Sunny Straight Dumb somewhere, so why not? Okay, and la- okay, and then for Alice, I said Wolfie Barry. All right. So uh, again, we're all wrong. Uh. Renfred is played by Jared Green, Alice is played by Jennifer Green, and Cartphalus is played by Josh Greeley. Jared Green, you'll know him as Tigre in 91 Days, Hitoshi Shinso in My Hero Academia, and Rock in Nanbaka. Jennifer Green, you'll know as Katsuko Momose in Chaos Child, Jessica Bailey in Data Live 2, and Schiller in Tales of Zisteria The Cross Season 2. Uh, Josh Greeley is some low name actor who nobody has heard of, who has been in budget shows such as <laughs> Keep going. I don't even think you're doing the beat of that song, I'm right? Just making uh, it up. 
Yuri Kotsky and Yuri on Ice, Ichigo Hitafumi in Tukunrambu Hanamaru, and Kuronosuke in Princess Jellyfish. Um, so, Amon, you're going to get to start this time. Hmm. Where to start? Well, uh, let's see. Carfalis? 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 You can just call him Josh if you want. Cardiff Phyllis. He's just terrible. Not performance-wise, just what an awful <laughs> man. Uh, and uh, I think Josh brings a lot of that to the performance. Uh, you know, I like Josh. I think he's uh, often excels at these kind of like nasty, very personality-strong characters. And uh, I liked him a lot in here. He was very evil, uh, which is <laughs> appropriate. Um, Cardiff uh, did nothing wrong. That is that is yes, yes he, he did. did go fuck yes. yourself he he did nothing Noah wrong. Noah 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 next thing you're gonna t- Noah if Noah if you say the words Griffith did nothing wrong I'm gonna hurl you into canon no, I'm no. like one of only ten people who have never seen anything Berserk related actually okay okay and we're going to fix that someday <laughs> just I've seen the bloopers that just counts, just right? just because he did not personally turn a woman into a pile of goo doesn't mean it's still not his fault. Uh, anyways, I, I'm gonna argue, but okay. <laughs> anyways, um, yes, I enjoyed Josh a lot. He was appropriately nasty for that character. Um, and I also liked uh, I liked uh, what Jared and Jennifer brought to their roles as well. I thought they had a good uh, interplay between those two characters. I uh, I enjoyed how you know they're they're antagonists, and I thought they sold that well. But I also liked the way that they presented their relationship between the two, where they are in fact like you know a a teacher and an apprentice, and you I think you actually got that vibe from them, and you can understand like no, they do have an important relationship between each other, you know, up to and including Alice being like, why are you hanging out with this dude? He's awful. Let's 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 jet, dude. Come on, like anywhere else, please. Stop this. Let's blow this popsicle. Stuff. Yeah, it was nice. Um, I'll go next, because I think I'm going to start with Renfred, and I literally put it up wrong on my thing. It's Renfred, not Manfred, but I think I just typed it wrong in my head. I, th- I think I think Manfred's what's on ANN, so that might be their problem. That is correct. Okay, that's why. Thanks, ANN, for fucking us up again. You know, you um, can edit it, right? You can edit ANN. I'm too lazy to, I'm too lazy to sign oh. in. Um, I believe Jared Green, the second he kind of walked on screen, and had a tiny Tia Ballard grasped in his metal glove. Like, he was really good at being threatening, calm, and persuasive all in one scene. And it kind of makes me remember why Jared Green is an actor I enjoy and I wish I saw a lot, heard a lot more of. Um, Jennifer Green is also an actress I'm not as familiar with. Comparatively to, like, Josh, or, like, Colleen, or Joel, or... Hell, even John. Um, I really enjoyed her as Alice. I really can't wait for when this character comes back and she kind of gets solo time away from Renfred. Um, I thought she was really good bouncing off of Chise in episode 7, where Chise knocks her the fuck out and ties her up. Um, but to me, the real star of this group is Josh Greeley. Um, to say that Josh Greeley is not an incredible performer is a, a performance performer is a lie and that this performance is... Very good and very creepy. Um, I know when I watched it in the Japanese, Ayumu Murase, who plays Cartphalus in the Japanese, um, in episode 8, where he shows up to kind of come after Chisei and Ruth, or at that point, as he's known, Ulysses, 
Um, to me, Ayumu Marase's voice bordered on feminine at times. And it was just very otherworldly and very creepy, but it wasn't in the way that you would expect it to be. Because I think when we think of otherworldly, we think of, like, over the top and stuff. But there was something that Josh did, too, that was very similar to Marase's performance. Where the the line between what we think sounds feminine and masculine becomes very blurred. And it's terrifying when, they're, when they kind of call him by his title. And he gets angry and starts trying. And he's, like, getting shot in the face. And, like, shot in the arm, and he's just, like, regenerating and coming back. Like, damn, Josh! I, 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 damn, son! Um, but that's all, I I don't want to take away from what the other guys are going to say, so I'll pass it on to either Noah or Jet. Oh, um, okay, I, I guess I'll go, oh, uh, who was Alice's voice actor again? Who? Alice? Jennifer Okay. Okay, uh, so as far as uh, Jerry and Jennifer go, I thought I thought they did a pretty good job with the characters so far. I'd say uh, Renfred and Alice have a pretty nice dynamic. I think they're pretty interesting. Although I was kind of a little bit confused with their role because it seemed like they were going to be a little bit more antagonistic, like when they first showed up, and then later on they're just kind of like hanging out in the background. Then I just like okay, um, okay, and then as far as uh, Josh Greel goes. Uh, this was definitely one of my favorite performances I've been done so far. Uh, Josh Greel can really do no wrong at this point, and I've always been impressed by just how far he can stretch his vocal range. I mean, uh, even so, it's been kind of rare for him to do villain roles up until recently, and it's kind of a shame because he's really very good at them. And he was great at making old Carvey here sound delightfully twisted, and, uh, and sound just effeminate enough to be, feel creepy at himself, suddenly, like you guys are saying here. And that was really great because this kid is a creep and a half. I mean, that whole thing with the cast was just kind of... Eh. Uh, so I'm certainly very curious to learn what his deal is, but in the meantime, Josh really was really having a lot of fun with this role. And it was definitely one of the dumb's biggest highlights, so good idea. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. Um, I am going to agree with you, Jet, on the um, uh, uh, the lack of Alice and Mikhail being kind of um, underused in the series, because I also thought they were going to be more of, uh, of people who were going to fight against. But it was, um, I suppose it was kind of necessary that they show up to offer a contrast to what the mages do. And this is one of the things I really liked, is that the show takes time to show the difference between what the magus do with magic and what the alchemists do, because the magus seem to be about using nature only as much as they need it without uh, harming it, whereas alchemists just get what they want and get, you know, I'm, I'm going to get mine, and then it's going to be, uh, who cares about the consequences of that? So they uh, uh, both, uh, Jennifer and Jared did pretty good on that. They both have this sort of um, uh, world-weary bitterness to them, like uh, they've kind of given up on any happiness at all. It's kind of a defeatist way to go about it, but I, I like that sort of um, that bitterness they've got in their voice. It kind of contrasts the prettier voices from the other male and female characters, and it makes them stand out as, like, these are a different type of magic users. Because, as we all know from watching FMA, alchemists are meant to be miserable human beings who will never get what they want. Mm -hmm. And then we should probably talk about Josh, who... Um, um, 
You guys all mentioned that he sounded kind of feminine. Um, that's not the word I used, and I'm not sure if I would use it even now to describe him. I wrote that he was foppish, that he had this sort of um, uh, old stereotype of a fop character who um, like swirls around his words like this all the time. And he kind of, um, how exactly did I word it? I said his voice warbles with maliciousness, which is even weirder with him being a child because as we all know, Children are the worst. Like, I'm sorry, Oliver. Children are the absolute worst. They have no limits. They are going to get everyone fucked up, and they're going to be happy about it. They're, they're going to smile and laugh when everything burns to the ground. If you've ever been on Discord, like you know, Megan, you know that that's exactly what they're like. So, Josh, 11 out of 10 on this one. Sounds like he was having way too much fun with this role, and I'm honestly... A little sad that he's not in every episode because I think he could sustain. We could we could stand a little Josh in every episode. Oh, trust me, he coming back and it gonna not be happy. And he did nothing wrong. He did absolutely nothing wrong. That body was. Oh, dead. he gonna do some shit. It, no wrong, one was using though. the body. It was. It's a perfectly fine Spider Woman. There's no no one is any harm for him turning into a Spider Woman. Kiss of the spider slick. <laughs> that that anyway, was a little creepy. Though. Um. Just a little. Oh yeah, just Brittany, suddenly Brittany Lauda is trying to murder you. And, uh, so are we good to move yeah. on? Mm -hmm. By the way, you are all going to get your wish because I believe in the episode after this, um, Alice is going to come back. Um, at least after the one that's coming out this week as we're recording in Japan, but you can cut that out, editor. So, time to move on to, honestly, the best set of characters. We're going to the land of dragons. Huzzah! So we have Lindell, who is Elias's kind of old master, kind of sees him as his grandfather, who runs the area of dragons in Iceland. You have Nevin, a old dragon who um, passes away under the wasp of Chise, and she allows him to take one last flight in his mind. And Rahab, who is Lindell's master and the one who gave Elias his name. I have no predictions for Rahab, but I do do I, and I don't have predictions for Nevin, but I do have predictions for Lindell. Uh, Jet, do you have predictions as well? Yes, I have one for Lindell. Yes. Uh, let's see. For Lindell, I said good old Eric Mail. Um, for Lindell, I had Aaron Roberts or Jason Lebrecht. But I had a last resort if this person was not Elias. This is who I would want it to be, and that's Christopher Waycamp. Um, we're all wrong, because it is our lord and savior, Todd fucking Habercorn. <laughs> as, as Lindell, as Nevin, we have Jason Douglas, and as Rahab, we have Lydia McKay. Todd fucking Habercorn, you would know as Natsu fucking Dragneel in Fairy Tale. Kimihiro Watanuki in Triple X Holic in Haruka Nanase in Free and Free Eternal Summer. Nevin, you will, uh, Jason Douglas, you will know as Beerus in Dragon Ball Super. Gildart's Clive in Fairy Tale. And this one's for Noah. He's Chio Chan's dad in Azumangadayo. I wish I were a bird. How are you? Fine, well, I got to fly you. in this show. It's a great show. Rahab, you all should watch it. Lydia McKay is 
Madam Red in Black Butler, Trisha Elric slash Sloth in Full Metal Alchemist, though she does not retain the Sloth title for Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and Ultir got a better redemption arc than all of that bitch Minerva ever did from Fairy Tale Milkovich in Fairy Tale. Um, I'll start because Lindell is my favorite character. That isn't Doctor Shannon. Um, I was not expecting Todd Habercorn to be this character. This is not a character I would have ever thought he would be. And I think he knocks it out of the park. Um, I, I appreciate when actors do stuff that I don't expect. Um, and usually Todd Habercorn is really obnoxious, over-the-top, like, little knuckleheads. As an actor. And hams. And as an actor, not... not I say that as an actor, not the as a to- person. The Todd Todd's Mafia very nice is guy. very strong. Don't piss them off. I do not want to fuck with the Haber, the three six Haberfer, <laughs> have have a mafia. Anyway, um, but I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I really thought he nailed being this like very delightful older guy. Like, no, like Lindell's like hundreds of years old at this point. Um, I will also appreciate that they did not dub over his singing in episodes 11 or 12. I would have actually fucking killed somebody. Uh, uh, this is a broadcast Like I said, I, 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 I kind of got too mind in that one. Like, that's, I mean, I like personally, it kind of takes me out of it whenever they don't dub songs. So, like, I'll agree. Yeah. It, <laughs> it wouldn't in this case because Lindell doesn't, isn't even English. Dubbing it into English would have actually kind of ruined no, 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 no. because he's well, Icelandic. If the song wasn't like being sung in Japanese, I might like let it go. But because it there is, we it's go, like, yeah, <laughs> it's just like random. <laughs> I I also appreciate the, it. The only way that would make sense is that he's trying to sing it in Chisei's native language because she is canonically herself Japanese. But I don't think right. that's what they were going for. Yeah. Also, be Daisuke Namikawa's voice is angelic. So it is. You're right. You're um, right. Yeah. Uh, so, but I liked, I liked Todd as Lindell, who's kind of this crotchety old grandpa, but has a Bishonen voice because, hey, he's pretty. Um, Rahab, Lydia McKay did a really good job stealing a scene for, like, literally, she's not in a lot of episodes, but I think she really stole the show. Um, she was really great bouncing off of a younger Todd who's being a dumbass. Um, but truly the star of this group is Jason Douglas as Nevin. Like, it is, I think they might have digitally distorted his voice. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. If a, for if sure, a human can make that noise God, the performances. naturally, I'd be terrified. Fine. But God, is really touching, and I think he really nails the character. And, like, this is one of those times where, like we said, like, if they would have gone, like, wacky or zany or out there, like, giving him an old man voice that's, like, Oh, it's my time to go, kids. <laughs> I'm going up to the sky. But, like, having this, like, deep, earthy sound for a dragon that can't really fly anymore, like, it, it was heartbreaking. I'm surprised I didn't cry. I know it made a couple of people cry, but damn, Jason, like, if I had never heard of this actor before and only saw him in this, I would be like, why the fuck isn't this guy in more shows? So, but I'm going to pass it on. I'm surprised you didn't cry, honestly. Um, I think it's because I've read the manga and I had seen the anime. Like, I had already seen that scene twice already. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of teared up when I saw it in theaters, but I'll talk about that when we get to final thoughts. Right. Okay. Um, okay, um, I'll go ahead. Uh, because um, <laughs> I wrote down, um, in describing the English voice uh, for Lyndon, 
uh, I said, um, hmm, sounds kind of like Todd Habercorn. And that was before I looked up that it was actually Todd, because it, it's impossible not to tell when it's Todd. It's definitely Todd. But like you said, this is a very unnatural uh, speaking pattern for him, because it's lower pitch, he grumbles a little bit more, and it's uh, it's kind of, um, I say, he... It's aged. It, he, well, it's aged by speaking with lar longer syllables and they're more rounded and enunciated. It's almost his narrator voice that he uses for audiobooks more than it is his anime voice that we normally hear, which is which is refreshing because we don't normally have him cast in a role like this. Um, so yeah, I was surprised in a role that it's obviously Todd. You can tell it's him, but I appreciate actors who can change their natural speaking patterns to sound. Uh, slightly different and take on different archetypes than what you normally peg them for. Um, on that note, uh, Lydia Mackey does pretty much her normal shtick, but it's a good shtick. It's exceptionally scholarly and it's kind sounding, and it's not. It's different than all the other female characters who we hear in this. She's not gruff like Janelle, and she's not uh, world weary like Alice. You know, she's got like a like she knows what's going on. She's the smart one who you would turn to at the end of the movie and say, "Can you please fix this?" And she would be able to fix it. But yes, we are definitely going to give uh, Jason Douglas high praise as Nevin. And sadly enough, the, the voice that was in my head while he was speaking was... Okay, you guys have all seen the movie... You've seen Antichrist, right? Or at the least you've seen clips of the movie Antichrist, right? Are you, are you, are you thinking of the yeah. fox, Noah? Chaos reigns. Oh, boy. That's exactly what I was thinking when I heard his voice. Because, yeah, it was obviously digitally distorted, but it's such a lovely, velvety, chocolate sort of low distortion. Noah's gone from Thomas the Tank Engine to Antichrist. In one <laughs> what a world we live a in. A natural transition. I mean, they both feature children. Sort of. Anyways. I'm not going to touch that with a Please, book, Please but. don't. So, but yeah, um, those were the parts that I actually felt, felt the writing uh, lived up to the uh, kind of uh, poetic sounding uh, speaking pattern to it. But that makes more sense for someone who is A, a dragon, and B, hundreds and hundreds of years old. And so he's accrued a, a wisdom to him, which comes in real handy in trying to uh, help Chise feel better in while she's making her wand. Yeah, that moment really got to me and i re i like that uh, he gave us probably my favorite little line in the whole show and that is the living should never envy the dead just beautiful writing right there a nice concise way to put down what it is that we should all be living for all you people out there don't envy the dead go out and live your life seize the day so saith robin williams rest in peace Uh, take it away. Oh, um, okay, uh, let's Amon? see. What do I got? Um, Amon, I choose you. No, Amon, Mon, I choose you. Anyways, um, I had a thought. What was it? Yes, I, I agree. I, uh, I enjoy these characters a lot. I, um, I've grown. I found that since I tend to associate Tom Habercorn with being like you know shonen characters, like he is in like you know Fairy Tale or Soul Eater, I found that I've come to appreciate it when he does other stuff. Uh, he was in uh, Shin Godzilla, playing a kind of like relatively like serious straight laced character, and I enjoyed him a lot in there. And I enjoy him a lot here too. It's nice to see him. Uh, have a little more range than I think he does when I usually see him and stuff, which tends to be a lot more like, you know, hot-blooded teenagers. Um, and I, actually, I, I didn't mind them not translating the song, partially because I know that's a 
rights problem that's usually a big pain in the butt to deal with anyways. And uh, oddly enough, I didn't. the transition didn't bother me very much. Like, the singing voice in the Japanese sounded enough like Todd's voice that it actually felt pretty smooth, to be honest. Um, so enjoy that. Uh, I, uh, and also, I, you know, I agree, I want to give a lot of props to... Um, who played Nevin? I, I've lost my Jason notes. Douglas. Jason, Jason Douglas. Douglas. Yes, he was. No, he yeah. was. He was very good. And uh, you know, particularly uh, just he brought the right presence to it, and especially because you know he's probably working through you know a little bit of a digital filter on that performance. He just brings a lot of what was necessary to that role, and you know, not making it sound like goofy or making him sound you know, hey, what's that? Uh, speak <laughs> up! I'm dying. <laughs> I'm slowly turning into a tree. You'll have to speak loud. <laughs> uh, there's none of that, which is good, because uh, that would have ruined the scene. Um, so yeah. And uh, I've, en I've enjoyed reading the heard of uh, Lydia McKay so far. I thought she was she was uh, fun as Rahab. Uh, I, I have not read far enough in the manga to know if that character shows up again, uh, but uh, I kind of hope they do. She was, she was a lot of fun. I know where the manga is going to end for season two, and oh boy, we are in. Oh shit. no! Um, oh good. Okay, ah, that's fun. All right, okay, so I guess we're going to go. Um, so as far as uh, Lydia Maki as Rahab goes, um, I liked it. I thought it. I, I thought it sounded pretty good. Uh, I like Lydia Maki's voice a lot, so I'm always glad to hear her things, and I hope we see more of Rahab in the future. And uh, like you guys said about Jason Douglas, like he did a really big job here. He's definitely one of my favorite performances of the show. Is it like like I really appreciate how he just has this like how he just has this real presence to his voice like it's very powerful not very wizard but not like too over the top or silly. Is that like like and it like and it's exactly what that scene needed because it just it's a because it really helps in kind of conveying to you saying that like you were saying before she needs to be able to live her life to. Like to not necessarily want to envy the dead or like or want to die as she so clearly does. Okay, like and then as we get to Todd Habercorn, I'm gonna be the voice of dissent here in saying that I kinda wasn't a fan of this at first. Uh, like I like Todd Habercorn a lot as an actor and he has some good rage. Okay, uh, but because I've seen a lot more of his buried stuff, because I watch a lot of Cowie Dubs, and this kind of felt more like him doing a variation of his old man voice, which I'm a little more used to hearing, and it kind of felt more like I was hearing Todd Haberford and Liddell for the first few episodes. Uh, once I, he finally did get into character around like episode 9 or 10, I started to dig it, and I really... And I really liked how he portrayed Lindell's early scene, Elias. I just kind of wish he could have gotten into character a little bit sooner, and that but that one I'm going to blame more in the direction than him, because I've seen him pull crazier stuff off right off the bat, but I didn't think he did, did that here. So, yeah. Right, fair <laughs> enough. Alright, so are we all good with the Land of Dragons? Is it time to go home? Yes, it's time to go home. Let's raise up like a phoenix and get the hell back to the house. <laughs> so, when we get back to the house, we're going to be greeted by the Silver Lady, or Silky, and Ruth. Uh, the Silver Lady is a maid that lives in the house who does all the work for Elias. Um, we're going to make it really really quick about this segment. Uh, we're going to mostly be talking about Ruth. Silver Lady hasn't really said anything other than grunts or sighs. 
and then Ruth is a black dog born from the... A dog that died at its owner's grave and became a fae. He later becomes Chisei's familiar. Um, I had predictions for both Silky and Ruth. Um, Jet. Um, did yes, you? I did. Uh, okay, let's see. For Silky, I said Grenapril. And for Ruth, I said good old Microsoft. Uh, I also had Micah Solisod as one of my predictions for Ruth. I did three for each because, again, I had a really hard time pegging everything down to, like, one or two people. Uh, my other predictions for Ruth were Damon Mills because fuck all Damon Mills can do anything he wants. And Dave Matranga because Dave Matranga did a really good job as Todoroki last year and I figured around the same vocal pattern. Uh, Silky, I had Sarah Wiedenhoff, Madeline Morris, or Megan Shipman, all uh, females with uh, lighter and more airy voices. Uh, we are wrong on all accounts. Silver Lady is played by Rachel Glass, and Ruth is played by Austin Tyndall. Rachel Glass, you will know as Elma in Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, Naru Arisaka in Regalia, the Three Sacred Stars, and Miyabi Ito in Yamada-kun and the Seven Witches. Austin Tyndall, you'll know as Marco Bolt in Attack on Titan, Kaneki Ken in Tokyo Ghoul, and Con uh, uh, Karma- I almost called him Kaname- uh, Karma Akabane in Assassin's Creed. Okay, okay, wait. Uh, so like, before we do anything else, we're going to have to make a joke, obviously. So would you call him Pupper Karma? <laughs> Jet, you betrayed me. <laughs> I thought you were the sable sensible one. Yes, he's Pupper Karma. He's good boy Karma. 11 out of 10 would grim again. Someone needs to send a picture of him to We Rate Dogs <laughs> and see if they'll actually do it. Oh, you guys sent us a, like uh, we only rate dogs on here. Please stop sending us uh, demonic bear animals. <laughs> Twelve out of ten. She rides him like a dog, like a horse at one point too. I mean, if you get him in like oh. mid frame, then yeah, it's like a ethereal horse bear hybrid. <laughs> Uh, really quick, Rachel Glass, uh, good on you for grunting and making little whispery noises. Rachel um, Glass is the perfect actress. She She's the only one in this whole cast who has not said a single line wrong, and I think that deserves high praise. <laughs> oh my god. Her backstory is coming in episode 14, and it'll explain- I'll explain after the recording why she has a cast. Mm -hmm. Uh, but Austin Tyndall is not who I expected to be mm -hmm. Ruth. Um, and he- fucking nails it. I think he gets a lot of sadness and dog qualities. There's parts where I think Austin Tyndall had to bark. Um, and I was not expecting Austin Tyndall to bark at things. Uh, but Austin Tyndall was a good boy. I'd give him a, I'd give him a good 10 out of 10. Um, I think he really nailed the scenes with his backstory and, uh, when he, uh, confronts Simon at the church. Mm. Next human. Uh, let's see. Um, yes. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost my note, place in my notes again. Um, I was not expecting that voice for Ruth uh, when I read him in the manga because he's, you know, a ghost dog who lived in a graveyard. I was expecting something a little, you know, sort of rumbly or course something like that um so i was not expecting someone with austin Hill's vocal quality um but i've been really happy where that he has been cast i think he's been doing a 
a very good job with the character. Um, like you're saying, I think he nailed a lot of the emotional notes when you were kind of learning his backstory um, and kind of, you know, getting to the core of that, which I enjoyed a lot. And then since then, I think he's just done a good job as being both this kind of, you know, someone who, like, hangs around Chisei and is looking after her, but, uh, you know, not always in, like, I'm going to fight things away, just in, like, look, you're stressed out. Take a break. <laughs> Talk to the nice old man. It's not the end of the world. Um, which I'm enjoying. Like, this is not this is not a performance I was expecting for this character, and I've been pleasantly surprised the entire time. Mm. And um, I'm sure I'm sure Silver Lady will get to talk at some point, and we can actually judge that performance. Until then, I don't know. Good, good, good nonverbal utterances, I guess. Yeah, it's sure. hard to do. Have you ever tried it? <laughs> You've yeah. heard me on this podcast. <laughs> Touche. Um, so okay, so I don't really have too many thoughts on Rachel Glass either. I mean, I guess we'll hear her eventually, but until then, I just kind of whatever. Um, okay, and then as far as Austin Tindall goes, like he wasn't who I had down for this role, but uh, okay, but having heard it, it does not seem like one of the things was like, yeah, duh. <laughs> That's because, like as you guys were saying before, he really nails it. He gets a lot of the emotional moments across really well. It's like, I really like the way he portrayed Ruth's backstory. And then, like, all those moments where he's just kind of, like, interacting with Chisei are always very heartfelt and cute. And you can, like, you can really feel the chemistry between them. I thought that was very nice. I'm you good. want me to go next, Megan? I already went. Yeah, okay. you did. All right. Um, like I said, uh, Rachel Glass is uh, the only perfect actress in this whole show who hasn't uttered a single wrong line, and therefore she is the best cast character in the whole show. So good job, Rachel. I hope they paid you well. Um, as for Austin Tyndall, um, I hadn't read the manga, and I didn't have a prediction going into this, but in looking at the character design, even uh, just looking at the Crunchyroll episode the uh, in sub, yeah, I kind of agree. I wasn't expecting an Austin Tyndall-like voice. I was expecting sort of like a, a grittier, Crispin Freeman-style, low-voice grumbling sound. But I don't have a problem with the way Austin Tyndall played it off because uh, he was directed to have a consistent vocal register where his emotions actually don't get too cheesy or over the top. Like, even in the flashback scenes, like where he's um, reminiscing about uh, how his, uh, his friend Isabel had died... He's not lamenting in a sorrowful way that uh, she's not waking up. Uh, he's kind of just speaking kind of normally. He's like, she has to wake up. When is she going to wake up? I haven't seen her in a few days. And it's this—it's very un unorthodox in a way to cast this demon dog. Um, the only way I can describe uh, his speech pattern is that it kind of sounds like Austin is speaking through his teeth. Like, he has almost like this lower uh gritted sound to it that keeps them from going too high or going too low i'm not sure i'm like the most biggest fan of her or not but it contrasts all the other characters that we've heard up to this point so i i guess i like that they gave him a voice that would not be confused with anybody else in the cast so and he does a good job against chisei like you guys said she's just very a very serious sounding character um and i'm glad that he became part of the main cast because Good puppy needs to be petted. So at the time, 
It's time to get to the last group. We're, we were originally going to do them apart, but we're going to do them together to save a little bit of time for everybody because we, though a decent chunk of this episode is going to get cut out because I was laughing about Thomas the goddamn tank engine. Did you let it go already? He's like, no! No! <laughs> look, okay, look. We got to get this done. We can talk and laugh about I know. my hangups later if you want to. We can have a whole separate podcast for that. But speaking of- I'm sorry. Every time I keep thinking about it, I keep laughing. Well, you know okay, what's yeah, not yeah, funny? Yeah, you know what's not funny? Being sold into human slavery. Think of that. Thank you for thank you for transitioning. I'd also like to kink shame uh, Andrew because he's turned his icon into that new Dragon Ball Fighter Z fap fetish thing. Anyway, uh, things that are not fat fetish, or they might be, Elias, um... <laughs> Leave the poor boy alone. Elias is not, definitely not somebody's fetish. fetish, let's be frank here. Yeah, Elias Spe- is spe- Speaking of someone who had, a, who, had a, who had a Mike Mignola skeleton in his icon for about a year, he's somebody's <laughs> fetish. Anyways. What, there is probably somebody out there, like, shivering because we've just uncovered their <laughs> Elias, and they've got, like... Tons of Elias porn. Sure anyway, Elias the, Ainsworth and Chief... Somebody gets off to the bronze steakhouse logo, I'm sure. <laughs> somebody gets off to the longhorn steakhouse logo. I mean, it's, it looks like the bronze steakhouse. I don't know if they have them where you live. No, I don't even know what the fuck a bronze steakhouse awesome. is. Anyway, Elias is the master mage that takes in Chisei. He has a little bit of troubles relating to humans and doesn't always speak the truth. Chisei Hatsuri is a 15-year-old girl who sold herself into slavery because she had no worth in her life. And her story is about learning how to get, uh, find worth in herself and her place in the world. However, there is a catch. She is a sleigh beggy, which means she unconsciously absorbs and uses magic and draws things to her. Meaning that without a solution, she will very much die young. Uh, I had predictions for Elias and Chisei. Did anybody uh, of else? Of course I did. Uh, let's see. For Elias, I said David Wald because, of course, it's David Wald. Okay, and okay, and for okay, and for Chisei, I kind of wanted to be, I kind of wanted to be somebody who hasn't necessarily had a lead role yet. Okay, uh, but someone who I thought could kind of get that whole detached vibe across really well. Uh, so I decided to take a gamble on G. Toronto. Me and you have been on the same page tonight, man. Uh, my predictions for Elias were... My original pick was Chris Waycamp because he hadn't really... I thought he hadn't done a lead role in a show. And then I forgot uh, Laughing Into the Clouds exists. And now and um, another show. <laughs> I th- what? I th- and now another show that just debuted like a season ago. We're doing an episode a lot soon and I'm hosting it. Um, I had Chris Rager... Or Brandon Potter. Just, I didn't want to... Here's my big thing. I did not want to go the Tatum and Brina route. As much as they are both very fine actors, that was the last thing I wanted. My predictions for Chisei were Afia Yu, Jeannie Tirado, or Marissa Lenti. All three, I felt, could do detached. Uh, and a little slightly deeper based off of her seiyuu. Um, that's, uh, that's why. However, we are all wrong. We are all very, very wrong. Elias is played by Brian Mathis, and Chisei is played by Danny Chambers. Brian Mathis, you will know as Macau in Fairy Tale, Dark Cahol in AM Driver, and Monkey D. Garp in One Piece. Danny Chamber, um, Danny Chambers, this is her first lead role. 
She, I did go back and find out that she was in a couple of um, summer broadcast dubs. She was Ray in A Centaur's Life, Celine and Hina Logic from Luckin Logic, and she also later on was revealed to be Zenko Fujiwara in the Morose Mononokian. Um, thoughts? Somebody go first because I want to go last. Um, so like, so like, so, okay, so, okay, so that we have a good balance, I guess I'll go first. Uh, okay, so as far as Brian Mappis goes, I'll say that out of the main cast, this one was definitely my my favorite performance. I haven't really been too familiar with Brian Mappis up to this point. I mean, I know I watch a lot of fairy tale, but Macau was just kind of there. Um, but anyway, I was really impressed with just how quickly he got the character here. He did a great job of making Elias sound kind of regal and wise and sounding too theatrical. And I really appreciated how the general tone of his performance kind of has a very dismissive attitude to it that sort of matches Elias's general detachment for human emotions and his inability to understand them. I mean, like, I'll be honest with you, the guy kind of was expecting something a bit stuffier, like what you'd expect from uh, Chris Savage or David Wolf, but... This works extremely well, and I can't think of anything in a, in a performance I would really want to change. So, credit to you, Brian Mappis. I hopefully I'll do a better job of recognizing you going forward. Um, and then as far as Danny Chamberlain goes, I'm a little mixed on that one. I really appreciate the decision by Kyle Phillips to cast him on Node for such a big role, and she's certainly good here. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, I haven't been quite completely blown away by it so far. I think she's really great when it comes to Chisei's, like, more introspective moments, and she really captures a lot of her feelings of self-doubt and worthlessness. And I really appreciate that because it can be really tricky to tackle depression in a way that feels believable to audiences because, like, let's face it, people can get kind of iffy when it comes to depression. Um, however, uh, outside of those moments, she's kind of a little bit more hit or miss for me, and there's... I mean, there's times where I really enjoy her take, and then there's other times where I think she sounds maybe a little too high-pitched for what I expect from the character. And uh, so far, I kind of lean a little bit more towards Utsumi Tanazaki's performance, uh, since that kind of sounds a little bit closer to what I was expecting. And I kind of prefer her more, like, soft-spoken, kind of deep task for the world around her take on the character, whereas... Uh, Katie Chambers is more, like, world-weary, but a little bit more engaged with her surroundings. I mean, but all in all, I think it's a very solid performance, and I'm very interested in seeing where she goes going forward. Uh, but like I kind of said before, my expectations for this dub were, like, sky-high, and I guess it's wasn't quite what I expected, but, uh, yeah, I think it's good. Now, my question to you, Jet, is do you believe that, based on this performance, that Danny has the capacity to one day get up to the expectations that you set for this dub going into it? Is it, is it oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Is, is it, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, like, for a first impression, this is a very good first impression. I guess I was just kind of beginning to be, like, completely blown away, and I wasn't. That's fair enough. Yeah. So, so we, we, she bl pushed you back a little bit, but she didn't blow you off the pier. Yeah. As, as, uh, okay, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like how I feel about uh, Full Metal Alchemist, how, like, how, like, I like Vic's Ed, but I always lean a little bit more towards Romy Park's performance. Uh, but in the case of that, uh, like, that has a strong cast going all across the board, so that balances itself out. Hmm. <laughs> There's a lot of similarities in that show between this one. Yep. <laughs> Someone also loses an arm in this show. Uh... <laughs> Uh, okay, someone please go next. All right. Okay, I'll I'll jump in. Um, 
I don't get to be as quite as much of a dissenter, but I do uh, think that Brian made this, um, maybe it's just my expectation going into this, but um, I, I was expecting something a little more otherworldly from his voice. Um, we get a bit of that when we have his uh, his freak out transformation, I will fuck you up moment in episode eight. Uh, Bitch, I'm gonna fuck you up! <laughs> I, I just want to go back to that scene now and like dub it in with the scene uh, from Tropic Thunder where he's talking on the phone and it's <laughs> like, you're gonna have to call on the Bind the United Nations to stop the scorched earth, motherfucker. I am gonna massacre you. I will fuck you up. I'm gonna go do that when we're done with this. But anyways, Brian Mathis. Of all the actors in the show, he actually sounded like he was trying to be a radio drama actor more than anybody else. Um, not just because we don't see any lip movements, but because the way that he speaks sounds very similar to uh, actors from the time period where you would listen to radio dramas, where you had to get across a lot of character just based on your voice alone, and it's got an almost stagey atmosphere to it. Um, and I, I guess that's kind of tied into the fact that he is uh, he doesn't understand human emotions very much, but also the fact that we find out that when he doesn't want to talk about something he has a tendency to change the topic and he's he's trying to distance himself from the past that kind of made him into what he is and try to not remind himself of that so he, he's distancing himself and that kind of comes across in the way that his voice actor uh, portrays it so i don't have anything wrong with it really it's a regal speech pattern it fits the character um as someone who tries to give an air of confidence but we find out he's got some deep dark skeletons in his closet <laughs> i waited the whole episode to use that line and i'm gonna use it <laughs> At least you're not Andrew and his sugar skull Would daddy. You stop picking on Andrew. The poor boy needs a break and a hug. Speaking of someone who needs a hug, <laughs> oh my god, she say. So, uh, this is a character that um, has uh, starts off kind of weak um, when I'm talking about Danny Chambers' performance because um, when she we first meet her, she's obviously supposed to be very timid and like. Uh, you know, oh my god, I've been sold into slavery, and I don't know who this guy is, and he stripped me down and put me in a bathtub. But I, I kind of thought that Danny kind of acted more shaky, like her reading in the lines was much more shaky than it was uh, bewildered, I guess. But she gets better by, uh, probably about episode three is about the time I thought she really hit her stride. And because she doesn't have the typical Moe voice that we usually get from this type of character design. Um, she, she's got much more of an... Um, I'm amazed by the world around me and a delicate softness to her voice that uh, is distinct enough from all other English uh, voice actresses that I've heard try this type of role before that it was it made this show stand out from all the other ones. Not just in how deep it goes into analyzing her depression or how sad we feel about her, but just the Danny's performance is just it's distinct enough. And I do hope that uh, she gets different types of roles that she doesn't just get typecast as this type of character uh going forward because she she does have a lot of range that we see when she shifts into more confident character she gets her wand and she becomes card captor uh, magus bride and then we see oh my god she's got a lot more range than just the quiet reserved the person Phoenix. i mean i think uh todd even says at one point that dang i thought she was like the quiet reserved obedient kind looks like she's got a lot more uh I forget what the word is, but it's like she's a little, she's a more willful will, child. Thank than I you, thought. willful child. So, so yeah, so for covering all the range of voice of, uh, well, I guess emotions that 
Chise goes through. I give high props to Danny. I think Danny. I think she's uh, deserved the praise that she's been getting because she's been getting a lot of praise for this. And in this case, I don't think that it's overblown. I think it is just the right amount of praise that she's been getting. Amon, did you go? No. Or? Um, yeah, no. I liked I liked the, both of these performances a lot. Um, I found. I don't want to say I found Brian's unexpected per se. I know the one the voice I had in my head wasn't quite what he uh, what he ended up doing, uh, but I've enjoyed his performance a lot. I I think it goes back to that thing where I enjoy how ancient the show is like grounded in certain ways, even for all its fantastic elements. And for some reason, his performance fits into that. I feel like there's a uh, there, this performance could have been a lot more like over the top or Shakespearean or grand in a certain way. And I kind, of, I kind of enjoy the way that even though he is a uh, weird skeleton magician guy, um, there's a lot of the performance that makes him feel, if not normal, at least like, oh, this is a person I would know in some capacity. Like they're not they're not so otherworldly that they're not relatable anymore. And I enjoy I enjoy that aspect of his performance, particularly given how important you know his relationship with getting closer to Chise and kind of just understanding humans in general is. Um, and I agree. I, I've I've been enjoying Danny Chambers' performance. Um, I think she she, for I think in particularly the beginning, she just had to kind of contend with the fact that like you know she says not like thin thinly written in the beginning, but like we kind of get to know her as time goes on, and she had to work with that. And I think she's been doing a very good job for somebody who has not had a leading role in a show previously, and whose you know prior credits have been um, not that big. Um, I've been enjoying the both of them a lot, and I think, especially for this show, I think that's important, because, you know, if they, if either of these roles isn't done well, I think the show into the whole kind of falls apart. Um, so I'm glad that they're not just, you know, good enough to keep the show going, but I think, you know, you know, meet my expectations at least. I'm very happy with both of them. All right. Now, Megan, we have to rein you in here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, let's keep it to under an hour. Can we do that? You can't tie me down, bitch. I'm free bird. Free bird. No, uh, no I, I genuinely enjoy both actors. Like, Brian Mathis was not what I thought when I first heard the trailer for this. Um, I thought it was Chris Waycamp, honestly. I was like, yay, good, my hopes came true. And then... I was I read the castles. I'm like, that's not Chris Waycamp. What the fuck? Um, but no, I think that Brian Mathis really gets a lot of aspects to Elias's character. Um, he's very like he's a teacher, but he's not a good teacher because he doesn't open up about himself. There always seems some distance between them. There always reads some like vulnerability without being too vulnerable. And I think the show he really benefits. From having a character that has zero lip flaps. Um, very rarely does Elias have lip flaps. Um, there will be some times where his giant mouth opens. And there will be some times where he has a human face. But a lot of the times Elias isn't a character with flaps. Um, so I think Brian Mathis took full advantage of it. And I think Noah really got somewhere with the uh, radio comment. Because Elias is kind of putting on a performance. Like, whether he knows it or not, I think Brian Mathis took that aspect to his character. And I, I like, 
everything that you guys have said has been really, 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 really well done. And I'm happy they went for an actor who has been around for a while, but maybe isn't like your Kent Williams or anything. Because really, honestly, my biggest familiarity with Brian Mathis is when I did your fairy tale with him as Macau, with uh, Macau, who is Lindsay Seidel's dad. And there was maybe like one scene where he got like super, super dramatic. And that's during the Eclipse Gate where he basically dies. Um, spoiler alert for the Eclipse Gate art of, of Fairy Tale. The I liked Grand Magic Games from like that point back. Um, and then for Danny, like holy shit. Um, where do you start with Danny Chambers as as she say? Like when I saw the trailer, I thought it was Jill Harris because she was or like Jeannie. And then it's like okay, cool. Now we're gonna have this actress who. This is her first lead role, and you're giving her a character that is really dense, but it's not all revealed at once like most anime do, where this anime takes its time, and I think she's adapted wonderfully to it. Um, one of the things I will point out is that she, her tone of voice is a lot lighter for Chisei than her Seiyu, and I actually prefer that. Um, as much as I like the Japanese version of Magus Bride, and I think Miss Tanzaki is a great actress... I do feel at times that it feels like Chisei's 18 with her and not 15. And I think Danny gets to play with that like childish naivete to the world because Chisei doesn't have a really good worldview of herself because of what she's already been through. And I, I, I can't stop gushing about this. And I'm really happy that so many people have taken to Danny Chambers and are noticing her talent. And I hope this does lead to her being a a a good horse in the Funimation stable. Like it, it like just and she's already doing another show because Marosa Mononokian just came out as of the week of this recording. Um, and I've oh, I haven't gotten to hear everything in there, and she sounds really good in that too. From the brief clips I showed, I I watched of it, and that's a show where she's acting off of uh, a lot of pretty established actors like Aaron Dismuke and Jason Lebrecht. So. I think Kyle did a really good job picking her to cast and directing her, and I think Danny herself has really taken the reins of Chisei to a place that I really enjoy. And with that, are we good to move on to final sure. thoughts? Yep. All right. So, um, I vote. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, go jet. Okay. Uh, okay, uh, so I know I sounded pretty negative in that last statement, but again, I want to make this clear that I, that by no means do I think this is a bad dub. Uh, there's some very, there's some very soft performances here, like with Josh Grail and Brian Mathis, and I'm very curious to see what Danny Chambers is capable of going forward. Uh, but like I said before, like when we were talking about the director, this was kind of a case where I thought Funimation was going to go like with all their big guns and make something that can stand along the sides of, like, uh, Homo Lothness, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho, and Attack on Titan, and Tokyo Ghoul, like, et cetera, et cetera. And I didn't quite get that here. And, well, I'll probably get over that in time to buy the show on a video, because, let's face it, this is a great show. Um, I kind of wanted a little bit more something here, a little bit more than what we ended up getting here. And while this is uh, definitely in the upper half of my favorite 2017 dub, it's not quite my favorite dub from last year. I mean, but so I mean, but so again, it's a very good dub, very much worth your time. Go see the, go watch the dub, go see the show. You'll like it. Oh yeah. 
You have to pick the next person, Megan. Uh, I'm on. Um, yeah, no, I'm enjoying this stuff a lot. Uh, I was, I was, I was really looking forward to this show, and uh, I was hoping for a dub that would be something that uh, you know I could, you know, uh, make it easier to sell to people because you know I have friends who enjoy anime and often having a good English language tracks an easier sell for them than having to watch it in Japanese with subtitles. Uh, and I've just been really happy all around. I think the performances are very strong. I think the tone has matched the show very well, which I think can sometimes be tricky to pull off, especially for something like this, which is, you know, sometimes funny, but sometimes, you know, dramatic and sad and horrifying. Uh, I've just been happy all around. I've been really happy with just, you know, the direction and the performances and the writing and everything. It's It's been a real, it's been a real delight uh, watching it like this. And I'm looking forward to seeing more. Noah, you're going. Do I have to? Yes. Yes. Well, well, let her get the last say, Noah. Go talk. No, I, I'm... Noah, if you don't do it now, I'm going to sick Tatanya and Obiron's dogs on Okay, you. so here is my thesis paper that I spent all afternoon writing up. Um, this show was really good. Give, and, uh, give it the good old college try. I do think that uh, this is going to... Uh, um, it's going to be one of those shows that hits a lot of people more strongly if you if you go into the series already with some sort of uh, emotional baggage of your own, which I'm, I'm sure almost all of us have some emotional baggage, but like this could probably strike some of us a lot more if we came from broken homes or have a similar fear like Chisei does that we will be abandoned and therefore we are like a people pleaser who always tries to make other people happy so that they never abandon us. And to see that... Um, shown in a show like this uh re did really strike a bit of a strong chord and to have these vo uh, english voice actors realize that because they seem to realize that the material itself was strong enough and the emotional sincerity of it was so delicate that they didn't have to ham it up um except for like the fairy characters who are they're trickster characters so they're allowed to do that but everybody else had a very human quality to their acting um, this is one of the things that Funimation uh, does really well is they do drama really well. They take their actors and they make them sound human. They don't sound like cartoons. They sound like real grounded human beings. So I, there's not really anything I can look at this dub and say, uh, if I went, we go back in time and change it. Like, no, I, I like it just the way it is. Um, and if you're on the fence about whether or not you should watch this in English or Japanese, um, the only thing I can say against the English dub is that it is just as good as the Japanese. Like, I know, like, sometimes some people strive to make it better than the original, but in this case, I think it is just as good. It's just as strong, it's just as well acted, and carries just as much emotional resonance with you, regardless of which version of it that you're going to watch. So, there's my thesis statement. Citations listed at the bottom. <laughs> Citations include Thomas the Tank Engine. God damn it. <laughs> You open that door yourself. I, live, I have no regrets. I don't envy the dead. I will live every day as if it were my last, which this one may actually very well be. <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time I think about that, it fucking cracks. But you just got in the final thoughts already. It's, 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 okay, it's, it's okay, like the I'm a gay thing again. Sorry. Anyway, back on tack. Uh, no, I... I appreciate the shit out of this dub. I think it's Kyle Phillips' best direction, and I've already heaped loads and loads of praise on actors and stuff, and one of the things I really want to call out is how ballsy the casting in this dub is. Like, 
as Noah said, this is a dub that is on par with its sub with its sub companion, which is great because I can watch either language track and be completely enthralled. I choose to watch the Japanese as well. Most shows I I do for dub talk, I'll start it in the Japanese, but once the dub gets started, I'll drop it and wait. Uh, this is not one of those shows because I love the show too much. But there's something to be said when this is literally one of the biggest anime that came out last season. And I think its cast was ballsier than the other ballsy casting choice that was making Dallas read Asta in Black Clover. But I think this is ballsier because we're still all talking about Magus Bride, even though it's being slightly buried by the crazy shit happening that is Pop Team Epic and Devilman Crybaby existing in one season. Um, who could have thought that was going to be insane? But we're still talking about Magus Bride. Magus Bride, I believe, was one of the only was the only Funimation show in ANN's top five of the year. Their fan vote that wasn't a sequel series or already had a pre existing cast. Like they took a big risk by putting in. Okay, here are two lead characters. We're gonna pick somebody who this is her first lead role, and the other guy we're gonna have does mostly like secondary characters. So I really appreciate that for their two leads. I think the writing is great in that Jamie Markey should be commended for her writing in the show, as well as Bonnie, especially after the stuff that happened last year, whether you agree or disagree with it. I do believe that personally there was a little bit of witch hunting going on. Um, but overall, this is a dub that is really good. I actually think it's one of the best of last year, but people can disagree with me there. But we've just spent the last two hours talking about this, so I think we're good from here. So, time to plug yourselves. Um, if you want to follow us, the Dub Talk Podcast, you can follow us here at Dub Talk Podcast on YouTube. You can also follow us at Dub Talk Podcast on Twitter, Tumblr, etc., etc. Uh, going around, Jet, you can start. Yes, okay, uh, my name is Jet. You can follow me on Twitter at Jerry's, at Jerry's Infinity or at Divinega. I also occasionally do anime reviews on the fandom posts or on my blog, Anime to Infinity. I try to uh, do more anime reviews. Uh, hopefully I'll do stuff for uh, stuff like Made in the Bits or Love Illustrious soon, so you can look forward to that, I guess. Noah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NoahClue. Um, if you love animation, and I'm talking about the entire world, not just in the little island of Japan, uh, because I like to talk about and watch everything under the sun that's animated. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel, uh, that is Journey Traveler, is the last name. I don't, I have not produced content for it in quite a while. Um, I do have one video that I promise I will film and put up as soon as I get the opportunity, because I didn't do this last year. Megan, I promise I will film a What I Got in 2017 video, but you have to promise to do the same thing. Oh, that's right. I need to do a What I Bought in 2017. I didn't do it because I left the channel that I was on, so... And speaking of which, you still owe me something. I didn't get to the post office yet. It's been snowing like cats and dogs out there. I know. I'm That's I'm not joking. the reason why. I know it's just been... my excuse. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at AmonDuelUS, uh, uh, where I talk about music occasionally and retweet crap and 
usually complain about things no one else cares about or has heard of. Uh, you can also uh, go to my very infrequently updated blog at the at worldthatscoming.blogspot.com, and you can go there and watch Tumbleweeds roll by. It's very amusing, I've been told. Um, would you guys like a dusty old song for this episode? Yes. Sure. sure. All right. So as we've as you've noted, if you've seen the show, uh, Ruth is rocking the uh, black and white striped shirt with the black jacket look. Looks very good on him. And uh, that happened to remind me of the late great Alex Harvey of the Sensational Alex Harvey Band, who tended to wear more or less the same outfit a lot. Uh, so I'd recommend you all go to YouTube or Spotify, your preferred streaming site, and look up Faith Healer by the Sensational Alex Harvey Band. It is a very good song. You will not regret it. All right, I'm looking that up right now. I will, I will not play the audio here because we don't want to get copyright stricken. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, if you uh, want to follow me, you can follow me at QueenEra2 on Twitter, where I shitpost, uh, shitpost, and shitpost. Uh, you can also hang out with me, uh, Andrew, and Hardy over at the Funimation Discord, where we all are moderators. Uh, and generally, you can uh, watch me posting pictures of my cat and kink-shaming Andrew. Uh, it's a fun activity. Uh, so with Stop that, picking on the poor boy. we are done. He did nothing wrong. Amon Never. Did no, no, I'm sorry. Amon did nothing wrong. Andrew also did nothing wrong. Debatable. He is Debatable. just as innocent no. as Andrew, Cartophilus. Andrew is... Cartophilus. Andrew is, Andrew is a sin, a mint roll. Anyway, with that, uh, everybody, let's, let's go home. Let's go to bed. Because at last we are here. Um... Also, be totally look up here by Juna. It's one of the best anime songs ever made. Uh, fight me. Uh, so with that, good night, everybody. Aloha. Okay, and remember once again, believing is your magic. Good night. Good night. Oh, <laughs> and as they say, otaku on. Otaku on. My <laughs>